All right, good morning and welcome to the program. It is a Tuesday and it is January 12, 2020. Give me a call. 131269 is our telephone number. All the news and your views. If you would like to send us a text message, you can do that. 0458 049 209. And of course, you can always send us an email. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Plenty of news around. We'll get into it very soon. But most importantly, we'd love to know what you have to say. So, get. Okay, great to have your company. Give me a call, 131269. It's just gone eight and a half minutes after six. That's New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. Just thought I'd start this morning uh, with this. And for people out there who believe that COVID-19 is nothing for us to worry about, nothing to see here, uh, perhaps everything has been a little over-exaggerated, well, I'll bring you this information. The Deputy Premier of New South Wales, John Barillaro, has lost two close family members from COVID-19. Mr Barillaro's aunt and uncle have died of COVID-19, radically changing his view of Australia's pandemic control measures. Now, Mr Barillaro, who lost his own father last year, not from COVID-19, but... Um, unfortunately, you know, old age catches up with everybody, as we know. But a grieving Mr Barillaro said his mother's sister died days after her husband in hospital in Italy. And this happened in December. Now, once it's in your family, you suddenly realise COVID-19 actually kills. It could happen to any of us. My auntie and my uncle got hit by COVID and died over Christmas. It knocked us all. Their deaths changed me. I realise we're not out of the woods yet, but it made me more cautious. Now, Mr Barillaro previously lobbied Premier Gladys Berejiklian to ease restrictions to get the state moving. Now, we're not suge- I'm not suggesting, and I don't think uh, the Deputy Premier is as well, that uh, perhaps you know we, we don't need to look at easing restrictions when we can, and we should, Absolutely. People's livelihoods, businesses, etc. are at stake here. But I just thought I'd open with that this morning because there's always somebody who you may know who's been affected by COVID-19. So that's why I always err on the side of caution when it comes to dealing with the pandemic and following the health advice of chief medical officers. Someone knows someone who's been affected by the pandemic And people have lost their lives, whether it's here in Australia, and we've done extremely well, as we know, dealing with COVID-19 in our own country. But here in Australia, most of us have some kind of lineage or some kind of background that may have seen people in either the United States, the UK, other parts of Europe, including, as Mr Barillaro has pointed out, Italy where their family members are doing it so much tougher than we are here in Australia. We do not want our country to end up like the United Kingdom or the United States when it comes to this pandemic. That's why it's extremely important to follow the health advice. Now, so far in New South Wales, since January 25 last year, we've had 4,829 cases of COVID-19. 
There were 11 new cases yesterday. Locally, three. Overseas, eight. Making up the 11. Those eight people are in quarantine. Now, we've had 56 deaths, which is a tiny fraction of the amount of people who've lost their lives overseas. I understand that. But we don't want this thing to get out of control. So where you can, follow the rules to the letter. If you're going to your local shopping centre, put a mask on. Just put a mask on. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. All right, the, the consequences of not following the strict health advice that we've been given by medical experts could lead to perhaps somebody in your family losing their lives because of COVID-19. All right, that's how I wanted to start the program this morning. 13 12 69 is the telephone number if you would like to have your say. Chris, good morning. How are you, mate? Pretty good, Marcus. Welcome back, mate. Thank you. I'll start your morning off on the right foot. Sure. Um, the American election. Yeah. Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Donald Trump got 74 million votes. Joe Biden, in, in the college votes, he got 306 votes. And Trump got 332. Uh, 232, sorry. Yeah, that's right, yep. Um, theoretically, being a democracy, um, Biden has won the election. Why does everybody keep getting, like, eight million-odd votes is a lot of votes to do fraud. Why, why is everybody claiming it's fraud? Well, uh, because, unfortunately, as we've seen in the last, uh, well, few days in particular, um, that... People aren't happy with the election result. Uh, look, I'm not a uh, an well, expert so the on American. Aren't happy. Well, like, yeah. If you're a Labor voter in Australia, you're not happy when Liberal gets you. Well, there was a lot of great disappointment from Labor supporters. Uh, you know, when Scott Morrison won the so-called unwinnable election and Bill Shorten lost the unlosable one. So, look, I in, think... in, a, in a democracy, the loser's always going to be a bit unhappy. Well, of course, and that's why... But what I'm saying, like, if it was yeah. a tight vote and he only won by, like, 700 votes, mm. you, you could understand a bit of a upheaval, but you're talking, like, eight-odd million votes here. Well, that's right, and the problem is uh, the whole... Uh, response to the election result has, in my opinion, a lot of people will disagree with this, but a lot of uh, uh, the outrage, a lot of the pushback against the election result has been, well, it's come from the very top. And that's why Donald Trump has been kicked off social media platforms and is not allowed to, well, uh, incite the kind of hatred and the kind of unacceptance, if you like, of the result that we've seen in the last week or so. Didn't they bring in, didn't they push for laws against incitement and that on Facebook not that long back? Well, they did, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Facebook, Twitter, all of these organisations are privately run companies and and they can do what they please at the end of the day. Oh, I thought they had rules. Anyway, well, thanks, they do. Mate. There are rules, of course, there are. And uh, I mean, I think Donald Trump took a lot of liberty, if you like, with uh, many oh, of the t- eight eight million votes is a lot of votes. So yeah, very true, mate. Very true. All right, have a good day. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Cameron, are you there? Cameron, hello. 
Hi, Marcus. How are you going? All right, thanks. Cam, what's on your mind this morning? Um, basically, I just wanted to let you know that um, about a month ago, I started listening to your program after I just got a brand new job um, at the at, at the airport of all places, and I now have the opportunity to listen to you because I can dr- I can drive to work early now. Wonderful. So, uh, where, where are you from, Cameron? We're in Sydney or Brisbane or yeah. in Sydney? Yeah, okay, from, from Sydney. Yeah, from around the in in the west area. Yeah, and um, I was just feeling like during. The, the pandemic. Like I'm actually like a full-time university student. Good on you, mate. And you're working. Just, uh, sorry. And you're working as well. Yes. Good stuff. But, but it's a part. It's a part-time job. But like, it's just such a good part-time job because like, so much work these days is like either is like casual and like yeah. you don't know your hours and like you get very few benefits, all that stuff. Mm. But this is a permanent part-time job that that unionized. Everyone is really, really good, and I'm just. I've just never been happier with lately because just bef- like about a month, even just a month ago, yeah. I was feeling like absolute trash for months during the pandemic. Because yeah, because as as with that, as I'm sure everyone can relate to, mm. things have just been so rubbish lately. You know. Well, it has been tough, absolutely. A lot of people have lost work or lost uh, hours, those in the hospitality industry, those that work absolutely. in tourism. All right. So, what are you doing at the airport, Cameron? So I actually work as a basically as a baggage handler. So okay, good. Yeah. Why I mostly work right now is just handling the bags and doing all the stuff whilst wearing a mask, of course. <laughs> so yeah. don't, don't worry about that. Yeah, good. But man. I'm also right now in training to potentially drive like the airport tugs around. So that's, Wonderful. that's pretty that's pretty exciting. And what are you doing and, in uni? What are, what are you studying? Uh, I study politics and international relations. Yep. So basically, I get to study why the world is stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll keep you busy. There's lots to lots to study, um, particularly when it comes uh, yeah. to world politics. It's, it's all it's it's all good. And actually, on on that note, how I how I learnt of the, of this show was actually from your interview with um, Mr. Shanks from Friendly Geordies. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, and welcome. You're one of we, you're what we call one of the friendly prawnies. <laughs> well, um, it's a it's a badge of honour for me, Marcus. Good on you, buddy. That's kind of you, Cameron. Have a wonderful day. Well done on the new job, mate. And thank you for listening. And and just one last quick thing, I yeah. just do want to emphasise. I am just so grateful that I got this during a pandemic because I understand work is so hard to get to these days. So I do not take this job like like. I do not take it for granted. Well said. Well said, Cameron. And congratulations. Happy New Year to you, and we'll talk soon uh, again, I'm sure. Happy New Year to you. Good on you, mate. And all the viewers. Goodbye. All the best. Bye-bye. There we go. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Um, Yes, great call. And well done. It is tough out there at the moment during this pandemic to find a new job. I have no doubt about it. And if people like Cameron are back in the workforce while he's studying full time, mind you, good on him. Um, A lot of people who are studying don't uh, get the opportunity to work. I mean, he'll need to. It's not easy uh, and certainly not cheap these days to go to university. Now, Kate Washington is, of course, one of our hashtag warriors here on Marcus Paul in the morning. Kate is our hashtag Koala warrior. Koalas are back in the news. She'll call through just after 6.30 on the government's response to the Upper House inquiry into koala populations.
So that'll be interesting. The government's response to the New South Wales Upper House inquiry into koala populations and their habitat will be released today. And it indicates it has no intention of acting upon many key recommendations made by the committee in order to stop koalas becoming extinct in New South Wales before 2050. This is according to the Greens MP and committee chair, Kate, uh, I think I, I need to work on her surname there, Scruff. Fairman, we'll go with that for now, but we'll double check it. Uh, It's an extremely disappointing response from the New South Wales government, they say, and shows they have no commitment to save koalas from extinction, let alone doubling their numbers by 2050. Many of the key recommendations, the vast majority of which were supported by all committee members because they are what needs to be done to save koalas from extinction, seem to have been rejected outright. This is especially disappointing because they are all achievable if the governments had the will. Okay, so we'll catch up with our hashtag koala warrior uh, and the shadow environment minister, Kate Washington, on the program just after our 6.30... Hey, Ben? Yes, good morning, Marcus. Morning, Ben. Just putting the jet ski in the water, mate, and um, we've got the Magic Millions. We've got the Magic Millions horse race on the beach at 8am. Really? Who cares? They're free, Marcus. They're running free on the beach, mate. It's, it's like a scene out of Chariots of Fire or something. <laughs> yeah, okay. They're running free on the beach until they're put back inside their cages and used to be flogged for sport and for, you know, uh, for profit from rich they're men not, and women. They're not battery hens. They're, well, they're okay, but for goodness sake, Marcus. You what? know, they'll eventually meet the knackery and get turned into dog food, mate. But in the meantime, until that happens, rather than let horses be horses. No, I'm kidding. Oh, look, I don't know. If you're into it, fantastic. Uh, the magic... I'm, I'm not into it well, or the gambling. Right. But um, for a spectacle, it's a wonderful sight, mate. The Gold Coast, the beach, it's beautiful. You know what I saw years ago that I thought was amazing uh, on uh, Surface Paradise Beach? You know, at Dreamworld, how they've got the, the tigers, the beautiful tigers? Yeah. Well, they took a couple of the tigers down very, very early on the beach. Obviously, it was supervised and taken, you know, all precautions were taken. It was one of the most amazing photos I've ever seen of these two beautiful, beautiful Bengal tigers just strolling along the sand at, I think it was Surface Paradise, or it might have been Main Beach, wherever it was, the, you know, the Gold Coast uh, skyline was in the background. It was just amazing. It was kind of like where nature meets the city. It was fantastic. All right, Benny, thank you for the call, mate. Appreciate it. Greater Brisbane residents are waking up, of course, to life out of lockdown. More than 2 million people across Brisbane, Redland, Logan, Ipswich and Moreton Bay underwent a three-day lockdown. I'm sure they're happy they can move a little more freely around their city this morning. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning. Morning to you, Albo. How are you feeling? The head-on uh, collision with a, uh, a Range Rover on the wrong side of the road. I was uh, I'm just very, very lucky to survive the, the, the accident. The, my car is uh, an absolute write-off. I just received magnificent support from... The police, of course, arrived very quickly uh, and then uh, the paramedics were 
terrific. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Don't put your mask over the glasses. Well, I got my mask here. All right, I've got. I'm going to put it on. It's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. When yeah. you put your glasses on, tuck them underneath it. Oh, I see. All right, good tip. 2SM has Sydney talking. All right, welcome back to the program. Our hashtag Koala Warrior will join us in just a couple of moments. Uh, Today, of course, a big day with koala advocates saying the New South Wales government is still not doing enough to save the animal from extinction after it backed, without qualification, a quarter of the recommendations of an upper house inquiry into the marsupial's population and habitat. So we'll talk about that in just a couple of moments. Look, uh, just before we went to the news, I made mention of the fact that Greater Brisbane residents, of course, are waking up to life out of lockdown after being locked down around Brisbane, Redland, Logan, Ipswich and Moreton Bay for three days. But, of course, what did we learn yesterday? Well, there's been at least one new case of this UK strain of COVID-19 recorded in the community in the Sunshine States, in the capital of Brisbane. So, that's a concern Some restrictions will remain in place, including masks, which will be mandatory for another 10 days in shopping centres, supermarkets, public transport and gyms. That's in the Sunshine State. That's in Brisbane. Yesterday, as I said, at this stage, uh, when we first got the information, there were no new cases of locally acquired coronavirus. But, of course, this new curveball is one new case of the UK strain recorded in the community in Brisbane, and that is a major concern. Look, on the program this morning after 7 o'clock, we're going to catch up with Andrew Lee, MP. He's got a lot to say about the current situation in the United States. I see that Twitter has lost some 10% of its value on the stock exchange. Twitter's shares have tumbled almost 10% after the social media giant decided to permanently ban President Trump from the platform. Well, there you go. Meantime, as far as the Democrats are concerned, they've introduced their resolution to impeach Donald Trump. He's been charged with incitement of insurrection for his role in last week's riots in the US Capitol. The single impeachment article points to his speech before rioters stormed the Capitol as Congress was preparing to finalise President-elect Joe Biden's victory. Now, what it does is it paves the way for Mr. Trump to become the first U.S. president to be impeached twice and could lead to him facing a trial. Now, if convicted, he could be prevented from running for the presidency or holding public office ever again. And the other issue, of course, is that he'll lose a stack of his benefits. Not that somebody like Donald Trump needs, you know, the benefits that are very generous for him. You reckon the Australian Uh, politicians' benefits are generous. Nothing, nothing on what they get in the United States. A million bucks of taxpayer dollars a year to jet around wherever you like. You get secret service protection for life and an index pension upwards of 200,000 American dollars each and every year for doing nothing. So, look, if he is impeached, Donald Trump will get none of that. Interesting. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say next. Kate Washington.
Welcome back to the program. It's 17 to 7, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time and time to welcome one of our hashtag warriors uh, for 2021. It is the Shadow Environment Minister, our koala warrior. Here she is, Kate Washington. Good morning, Kate. Good morning, Marcus. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Did you have a, a nice, relaxing Christmas and New Year period with loved ones? I I was very, very fortunate, and I did. So I'm like many, many others. I've, I've been feeling very, very lucky. So yeah. but you and I are back on deck now. So yeah. let's go. Let's save, save the world's solve all the world's problems. Well, yeah, let's start with the koalas if we can. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I went on the weekend, my, my partner Ash had her birthday. We went up to the central coast to the Australian Reptile Park. The one thing she wanted was to cuddle a koala. We got that sorted. We got the photograph to prove it. Um, and it's good to see them flourishing in wildlife parks around Australia, but we need to do more uh, to ensure their survival in the bush, don't we? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, as we've discussed before, last year there was a, a parliamentary inquiry into koalas, which, um, which showed that unless we take urgent action, they will become extinct in New South Wales before 2050. And yesterday we saw the government respond to the recommendations of that inquiry and they failed to commit to 31 of the 42 recommendations. They've only supported... I think it's four- reprehensible. They've only supported 14, I'm told. No, they, su- they have supported 11. 11 it is. Okay. Among the recommendations supported was the suggestion the government rule out opening old growth forests within the state reserve for logging and that it creates uh, George's River National Park to secure habitat on Sydney's southern fringe. Uh, however, it only noted the call to investigate setting up a great koala national park in northern New South Wales. So it seems to me they're, they're looking in the wrong areas, I think. Well, they've kicked the can down the road on some really critical recommendations, including biodiversity offsets, where they've said that they won't even consider looking at them until 2022, let alone resolving them. Now, you and I discussed the Brandy Hill Quarry expansion, yes. and that was approved last mm. late last year, and that will involve the clearing of critical koala habitat here in Port Stephens. Well, it's those biodiversity offsets that are part of the government's land clearing laws that paved the way to that approval. So they've learnt no lessons. Yeah. Those approvals will happen again and again. Koala habitat will be lost again and again. And that can only spell danger for koalas. Surely there's enough land in this country of ours to steer clear of koala habitats when it comes to uh, either cutting down trees for furniture and, and other paper goods and, of course, development of properties and, and other you know, urban infrastructure. Uh, you're right. And Why are we picking as, on koala habitat? As the law stands habitat? now, it doesn't prevent the removal of that critical koala habitat. And so it is happening. It's happening up and down the coast every single day. Now, the uh, the minister, uh, Mr Keane, um, he's apparently relying heavily on the release of a new koala strategy. Uh, like the old pun, it won't be worth the paper it's written on, say, uh, the opponents of the way the government's dealing with this. It won't address the key threat to the ongoing survival of koalas in New South Wales, which is the ongoing destruction of their habitat. 
Correct. So it's the it's their it's the government's land clearing laws. It's their laws that they introduced, which have led to this critical situation for koalas in New South Wales. Mm. And so unless the government revisits that legislation urgently, which was what many of these recommendations urged um, the government to do, then there's going to be no change. And instead, it's becoming blindingly obvious that the Premier's legacy and the legacy of her Environment Minister, Matt Keane, will be the extinction of koalas in New South Wales. I don't understand. I mean, the SEP, uh, the issue of koalas, koala heritage uh, and the protection of core habitat was such a major issue late last year, it almost brought about an end to the New South Wales Coalition Government. Uh, And they've, what, learnt nothing? Exactly. They've learnt nothing from from the debacle that happened last year where koalas brought the government to its knees and nearly mm. saw the coalition fall apart. And and yet, even at the end of the year, as you'll recall, it took one government member to go against the government's own bill, which was going to even further weaken the land-clearing laws. Mm. They have not learnt anything, and they're continuing to on the same trajectory of environmental irresponsibility and then condemning koalas to a bleak and non-existent future. Well, let's hope not. Uh, We'll talk further on this as always, Kate. Great to have you on the program. Thanks, Marcus. All right, there she is, our hashtag koala warrior, the state's, uh, well, the state's opposition environment minister, Kate Washington. What do you make of it? Give me a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. Now, if you want to send us an email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. That's where you can get that through to us this morning. And on the text, 0458 049 209. That's where you can send your text messages through. What are you looking at me like that for out there, Scruff? Come on in here. Make yourself useful. What's happening? Phones are a little quiet right now, and you're out there looking at me like a Cheshire cat. Grinning. I'm looking at your glasses. You had a problem with your glasses yesterday with your mask, Mm. and we had some tips on that. Yeah. But uh, you, you look older. With the glasses, I, I, I beg your pardon. You put your glasses um, below your nose, just on your nose there. Well, because I'm looking at paper in front of me. You're out there about ten meters away. I can't see. You're just a blur. Actually, you look better as a blur. Oh, good. thank you very much, Marcus. Nice of you. No problem. Good mate, you are. Yeah. Oh, I don't feel cutting upset. And... No, but you do look a bit older well, when, actually, you, when you have on, your you nose. Me old. I did though. So we're, we're throwing. Yeah. Uh, things at each other. <laughs> you hear that ringing out there? That's the phone. I better go. Off you go. Thank you. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. The number to get through to us, and of course, don't confuse that text number zero four five eight zero four nine two zero nine. When I say don't confuse it, I do all the time. Uh, we'll put a link up to it. I think scruff up on our Facebook page. Uh, hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Look in Tasmania. I see. There could be a raising of the legal age of smoking from 18 to 21. It's being thought about by the government down there. They're looking at raising the legal age of buying cigarettes from 18 to 21 down there in Tassie. What do you make of that? Give me a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Um, 18 to 21 in Tassie. Should that go ahead? And, of course, should other states and territories follow suit? 
Meanwhile, we are being urged to pay more respect to retail workers. After a customer became enraged after refusing to scan a QR code, we told you about this bloke yesterday at Kellyville in Sydney's northwest over the weekend, acting like a complete and utter galah, uh, being abusive and throwing things at staff and smashing up cash registers at a McDonald's restaurant simply because he was asked to scan in or at least give his details so he could be contact traced. Um, Some people tend to forget there's a pandemic going on at the moment and the law is if you're going to go to Macca's or you're going to, you know, involve yourself in shopping centres, retails, that kind of environment, well, you need to do the right thing. It's in everybody's best interests. The New South Wales Union for Retail Workers says customers have become increasingly abusive to workers during the pandemic. I don't get this. Why? They're just doing their bloody job. I mean, think about it. OK, even just for a moment, just to say you're, you're anti-mask and, you, you know, you think the whole thing's, you know, BS and you, you don't agree that you should be wearing a mask and you think it's all a big overreaction, etc., Just think about it, though. What about if you were at work and someone came in and started abusing you and throwing stuff around your desk at work? You know, how would you feel? It's ridiculous, isn't it? So just pull your heads in. Follow the rules. It's not hard. Just put on a mask and respect people while they're going about their daily business. And that is, if they're serving you a hamburger at Macca's, well, then just follow the directions of staff. Um, Otherwise, don't go to McDonald's. Otherwise, don't go to the shops. The state secretary at the SDA, the union that looks after retail workers, Bernie Smith, says the rules are in place to protect not only workers, but everybody in our community. Might try and catch up with Bernie on the program at some point. We'll put a call in. All right, the latest news, sport and weather not too far away. 7 o'clock, New South Wales, daylight saving time. Well, residents and travellers in Sydney are still no closer to knowing when they can leave the state as border blockades and bickering between New South Wales and other states continues. Victoria, of course, has introduced a new traffic light system that allows entry from regional New South Wales but still bars anyone from Greater Sydney. (laughs) I'm going to talk about this and other issues with MP Andrew Lee after the news. It's five o'clock on a weekday The regulars start calling in Marcus Paul on the radio Speaking your mind's not a sin Give him a call on the telephone Tell the world what's on your mind Let's make sense of it all Come on, call Marcus Paul here on 13 12 69 Unscripted, genuine and sometimes silly Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. Uh, you can follow us on social media. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Adam says, mate, my bromance with Tim Payne is hitting a rough patch. I can accept the drop catches that hurt our cause yesterday, but the flirty chat with umpires and the Indian player Ashwin is hurting our relationship. We've agreed to put that behind us and use Brisbane as a fresh start. What did you make of all of that? 
personally, Tim needs, in my opinion, Tim needs to stop with the yap yap and perhaps hit the nets and practice his batting and certainly needs to get out on the field and have someone throw him some balls to catch because he dropped four yesterday, but his mouth was running at a 1,000 miles an hour. Look, uh, some people say, oh, why have we got the stump mics in play? Well, I think it adds to it. I think it's great. But the problem is, um, when it comes to Tim Payne and others that are very quick with the mouth and good at sledging and all the rest of it, you need to be able to back it up on the field. I mean, I could just imagine the Indians. I mean, they played brilliantly yesterday to save the Test match, and they would have had a good old laugh at Tim and his carry-on. He's apologised for it, and I noticed this morning in the press he says that he needs to be better as Australian captain and set a better example for young kids, young cricketers, both boys and girls watching the Australian cricket team go around. He says he needs to be better, well he does, to stop the yapping and try catching. In just a couple of moments, I want to have a little yap myself with Andrew Lee, MP. Uh, He's got a lot to say on the current situation in the United States. We'll talk a little of COVID as well. That's coming up right after this. Eleven after seven, thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. The telephone number. As we spoke yesterday to opposition leader Anthony Albanese, we confirmed that Labor is sharpening its attacks on the federal government, and that the Australian Labor Party are now ready for an election. Uh, Andrew Lee, MP, would be one of those who is sharpening up the verbal. Uh, attacks on his counterparts there in Canberra. He joins us for the first time in 2021. Happy New Year, Andrew. Happy New Year, Marcus. Did you get a good break? I wasn't too bad, actually. Um, Sadly, I wasn't able to travel to the Gold Coast, which I wanted to do to visit family and friends, and in particular my old dad. But fingers crossed we'll be able to do that in a couple of weekends' time. Mm, mm. It's very tough, but look, a lot of people are out there uh, doing it a lot worse. I mean, the pandemic goes on. Uh, we know we've got border closures. Unfortunately, COVID is still here and probably until the vaccine's introduced. Let's hope in the next month or so we'll be able to perhaps get some back to some sort of normality, both uh, socially and economically, Andrew. Absolutely, Marcus. And when you look around the rest of the world and you look at the uh, dreadful toll the pandemic is taking in other countries, then I think the fact that our state governments are listening to medical experts and uh, adjusting border closures accordingly, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. uh, Look, you say to hold an elected office is a privilege, never a right. You say it's essential to democracy that those who lose stand down gracefully and defend democratic institutions. Now, I don't need to be Einstein to work out you're having a crack there at what's going on in the United States. It was pretty extraordinary to see uh, for the first time since the British burnt the capital in 1814 uh, a mob raging at the capital uh, push uh, egged on by a president in office. Uh, Donald Trump's actions were 
pretty extraordinary. And uh, I was surprised that Scott Morrison didn't join other world leaders uh, in forcefully condemning the role that Donald Trump played uh, in inciting those protests. You know, historians will be picking over this for, for years to come. But right now, what we know is uh, that uh, at least one police officer was killed by that mob uh, and that it was uh, very, very clearly a mob which uh, wouldn't have been out there were it not for the uh, uh, enthusiastic uh, egging on by, the, uh, by President Trump. Yeah, look, uh, I know that the uh, acting Prime Minister, Michael McCormack, and others, including Craig Kelly, uh, and even the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, all had their say on whether or not social media giants should be able to close down their platforms for people like the outgoing President of the United States. Albo made his view on this perfectly clear on my program yesterday. Um, no doubt you support what Anthony's had to say on this. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, as, as my uh, colleague Tim Watts, who's our uh, uh, acting communications spokesperson, said, uh, the social media pl- companies have self-regulatory policies which are, which are pretty much in accord with the democratic norms. Uh, you don't incite violence, you don't spread hate speech, you don't spread dangerous medical misinformation. Uh, but I think it is appropriate that uh, over time we also look at the uh, way in which these platforms have chosen to make their, their decisions of uh, uh, banning particular people. Uh, the American Civil Liberties Union has, uh, has raised, raised that issue. Uh, the uh, Australian Competition Consumer Commission has talked, talked about the importance of it. Uh, but in this case, I think uh, unequivocally, they made the right call. If you're inciting violence, you shouldn't be on the, on one of these platforms. Should Donald Trump be impeached, in your opinion? Uh, I worry that if this goes ahead, the impeachment, which, you know, documents have been drawn and drafted, etc., and uh, the opposition, well, the incoming uh, administration are certainly trying to fast-track this thing. Uh, I have concern that it may lead to, to further unrest, Andrew. Uh, it's it's a question as to as to what's the right decision to make uh, morally and legally. Uh, I think the uh, the question of, of the further ripples out out of that are, is is secondary. Um, but I, I imagine Democrats at the moment are looking at whether or not they could actually get two thirds of the Senate to agree to impeachment, uh, and also the impact that an impeachment trial would have on President Biden's ability to implement his agenda. Uh, I saw uh, President Biden today suggesting that perhaps the uh, Senate could be consider- or Congress could alternate between a day of impeachment hearings and a day of uh, advancing the agenda uh, but that uh, that seems to have a, a messy, messiness about it that I imagine will uh, make some Democrats wonder whether this is the right road to go down. Yeah, just one thing, I noticed that the acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick is this morning in Townsville I would have thought the best place for an acting Prime Minister would be uh, the centre of government in Canberra or at least one of the major cities. Uh, <laughs> Look, I certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't begrudge uh, the Michael McCormack for being out in the regions, but yes, it's uh, it's terrific to uh, to have uh, people here at the centre of government. And one of the things that we've seen consistently from uh, the coalition since they came to office in 2013 uh, is a distancing from the public service and uh, and a notion that uh, uh, the public service is uh, is is there to take instructions, not to provide advice. Uh, ministers do better work when they spend time around around their departments, engaging with those experts and 
January is a good time for uh, uh, Michael McCormack and his colleagues to be doing that. Well, uh, so more, 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 more politicians spending more time in Canberra is, uh, is something that I, as a proud Canberra supporter, would always be keen on. Well, the only reason I bring it up is because there's this war of words that's continuing with, you know, WA taking a swipe at New South Wales over the handling, uh, handling of COVID-19. Uh, Mark McGowan's been very vocal in his criticism of New South Wales, which I think, by the way, is unfair. Uh, I mean, WA's taken next to no um, returned passengers from overseas like New South Wales has. I, look, my my issue is that... The handling of the pandemic from uh, from all accounts has turned far too political. I'm sick to death of hearing of squabbles between premiers, and that's why I think it's important that Mr McCormick and those at the centre of government are in Canberra, uh, as you say, talking to uh, public servants and trying to work a way through this. I and mean, it's a little hard to pull recalcitrant premiers into line when you're up there in Townsville in the tropics, surely. Yes, it'd certainly be good if the uh, National Cabinet was playing the role that it was uh, meant to play when it was originally established. Uh, I totally agree with you. People are uh, sick of the squabbling. They just want uh, the problems solved. Uh, They want to make sure that they can see their loved ones as soon as it's safe to do so. Uh, And the federal government's got an important role, not just in quarantine, but also in ensuring that premiers are on the same page. Uh, So uh, hopefully we will get uh, a greater degree of clarity and consensus uh, across across the leadership. Yep. All right. Well, it's good to talk to you, Andrew. We'll continue our chats through 2021 each and every uh, Tuesday uh, as as we prepare for... Look, do you think, uh, I guess, uh, a last comment here is is apt. Do you think that Scott Morrison will go early? Can you see him heading to a federal election this year? I think it'd be a chicken decision if he did. Um, people sometimes uh, suggest that to, uh, to to go early shows a sense of boldness. Uh, but the fact is that every time you go to an earlier election, you cost the taxpayer money that they wouldn't have had to pay otherwise. Okay. Uh, and you're uh, you're doing doing so because you're concerned about uh, not going your full democratic term. Uh, Australian electoral terms are uh, shorter than in most uh, most other countries. We don't need to shorten them still further. But any time he wants to go to the polls, we're ready. All right, Andrew. Good to talk. We'll chat again next week. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Marcus. Andrew Lee, uh, now he's a shadow finance spokesperson and I think a, a very good politician uh, and one of the most intelligent that we have. And look, the reason I brought up uh, this situation with the acting Prime Minister, Michael McCormick, uh, look, I'm not trying to have a go at the, uh, the bloke for being in Townsville and absolutely it's good to have, you know, senior government ministers out in the regional areas of the country. But right now, we still have Brisbane in lockdown, essentially. Uh, We've got problems with restrictions around border control, all the rest of it. Uh, Why is the acting prime minister all the way up there in the tropics? As far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, he should be front and centre in Canberra dealing with issues. Uh, And rather than, I guess, commenting on whether or not uh, Donald Trump should be impeached or whether or not, of course, you know, uh, he should be shut down on social media. Perhaps the acting prime minister's attention should be on the ongoing issues with borders uh, and COVID-19 here in Australia. Look, I know it's a, essentially a state issue, but uh, I mean, when it comes to, you know, restrictions and uh, the health advice, but still, surely um, it's a long way away. Canberra to Townsville. Alrighty, Marcus Paul in the morning. Give us a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number.
about this bloke? Uh, a man disqualified from driving until 2038 will appear in court today, charged with multiple traffic offences. Why? Well, he was involved in a bingle in Sydney's northwest yesterday. At around four o'clock, officers from the Hawkesbury Highway Patrol had reports of a fail-to-stop crash on Macquarie Street at Windsor. Police were told a Holden Commodore crashed into the back of a ute before driving away from the scene. A short time later, they located the vehicle on Milham Street at Windsor. The Holden failed to stop when directed to do so by police, and then they pursued. It was terminated a short while later when the Holden stopped on James Meehan Street. The 52-year-old driver was arrested. Not only was this bloke disqualified from driving until 2038, but he also provided a positive roadside breath test. He was taken to Windsor Police Station where he allegedly returned a breath analysis reading of 0.219. And that's when their checks revealed this bloke was disqualified from driving until 2038. So this South Windsor man was refused bail and will front Penrith local court today. Uh, I mean, you've got to get this bloke off the road, haven't we? I mean, the people of Windsor and the Hawkesbury don't deserve to have their lives put at risk by this moron, surely. Alleged moron, sorry. 13 12 69, the telephone number to have you say, 22 and a half after 7, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. <laughs> Uh, some new government data is out today revealing 103 reportable assaults occurring in the nation's nursing homes each and every uh, every week. It's incredible. Between January and September last year, January and September 2020, there were, you ready for it, 4,034 cases of physical and sexual abuse notified to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission. It's unbelievable. 4,034 cases of physical and sexual abuse notified to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission. The Aged Care Watchdog will likely be granted special powers to be able to punish aged care providers who don't keep residents safe. Well, I mean, this is a national catastrophe. 103 reportable assaults in our nursing homes each and every week. It's not good enough, is it? It's really not good enough. I mean, this should be made a hell of a bigger story than it currently is. Just repeating, new government data reveals that between January and September last year, 4,034 cases of physical and sexual abuse were notified to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission. 2021 2SM has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning. Morning to you, Albo. How are you feeling? It's a head-on uh, collision with a, uh, a Range Rover on the wrong side of the road. I was uh, just very, very lucky to survive the, the, the accident. The, my car is uh, an absolute write-off. I just received magnificent support from... The police, of course, arrived very quickly, uh, and then uh, the paramedics were terrific. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Don't put your mask over the glasses. Well, I got my mask here. All right, I've got. I'm going to put it on. It's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. When yeah. you put your glasses on, tuck them underneath. Oh, I see. 
All right. Good tip. 2SM has Sydney talking. Okay, welcome back to the program. Anna is on the open line, 13 12 69. Morning, Anna. Good morning, Marcus. Nice to hear you back. Thank you. Um, I just want to say quickly, um, with regard to the push to impeach President Trump now by this um, opposition person, Pelosi, who she's tried to do it before and failed, but this time she's got it stitched up. But I've got to say, I think it's a waste of time. I think it's let him go. He's going. Get on with the um, new president coming in and just let it die down because I think myself it'll just stir more trouble. Well, that's my concern. Uh, that is my concern. It's it's pretty obvious now that Donald Trump has almost conceded. We know he's going. Why do we need to keep on this same path? I mean, they've got really other things to deal with. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, I would have thought, and, and certainly Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I mean, they've got far bigger issues at the moment to deal with, like what's happening with COVID-19 in the United States of America. Why can't they make that front and centre their major focus now and just leave Donald alone, perhaps? I agree with you, and I think, you know, that the people of America are divided on whether they were cheated or not. It's been worked out now, except the umpire's decision. But bringing this up now, I think it's not necessary, and I think... Let the people of the United States and the ones that were there, a lot of them I don't think would have thought it would have gone as far as it has. Yeah. But now you've got the division there. Let them sort it out. Well, absolutely. And let the country heal, for God's sake, uh, and and get back to normality uh, and try. And, you know, uh, first and foremost, I mean, the fellow Americans are dying. Forget about, look, I know it was awful, I understand, and we have uh, some major issues when, you know, a so-called federal building is stormed by protests. I mean, for goodness sake, how they managed to get all the way to Nancy Pelosi's office and others. It's almost like it's an act of revenge, if you like. Uh, And I, I don't think that's what America needs at the moment. They just need to move on with things, tackle the COVID problem and get their their population uh, settled again. I agree, Marcus. All right, you have a wonderful day. Thank you for the call. Thank you. All right, there she is, Anna, uh, with her opinion. You're welcome to share yours. 13 12 69 is my telephone number. Now, what on earth is going on with the Brumbies in uh, the Snowy Mountains? I haven't talked about the Brumbies for a little while, but I'm going to in just a couple of moments. There are allegations the state government, through the Environment Minister, Matt Keane, well, the allegations aren't nice, that they're baiting the historic horses down there, these wild horses, down in the Kosciuszko National Park in order to get the population under control. One bloke who's been at the centre of this, and look, he has a vested interest, of course, he runs a a local business down there and he ferries families on tours via horseback of the Snowy Mountains, is Peter Cochran. He's a former Nationals member and uh, he's a good bloke, Pete. He really is. And I think his heart's in the right place. But he's concerned. He shared a, a photo with me that we put up this morning on our social media showing very clearly that Brumbies are being culled via baiting. And I don't know. I just think that's cruel. I don't know whether we need to deal with any supposed issues of environmental damage or alleged issues of environmental damage by the Brumbies by simply culling them. I don't like the idea of a cull. I really don't. Anyway, let's chat with Pete. Pete Cochran, you there, Pete? 
Yes, I am, Marcus. Good morning. Good morning to you. Happy New Year, mate. Same to you, too. Uh, now, I've uh, had a look at this photograph that you've posted on social media. We've copied it and shared it uh, and your post on our socials this morning. You say, so this is, this is Matt Keane's culling program, Baiting Horses Now. Uh, this trap site that you've, uh, uh, this salted area uh, that you've highlighted with a dead horse. No bullet marks. It's a terrifying sight to young children touring with uh, your company, Cochrane Horse Tracks. Of course, you do, and I mentioned before you came on air that obviously you conduct tours of the snowy mountains, and it would be a wonderful adventure for families. But do they need to see this sort of stuff, Pete? No, they don't. And, uh, I mean, it's in contravention of almost every uh, convention in relation to humanity that you can imagine. I mean, it's it's baseless cruelty. And uh, if it's true that they are using urea salt to salt these horses in, and the salt needs to be tested, we believe they are. The horse is actually dead on the salt lick. And this is a salt lick created in order to attract horses into a place where they can trap them. It is a place that's been used by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to trap horses in the past. Uh, the horse was dead right on the site, right on the salt. So it wasn't as though it was uh, some misadventure in some other place. And uh, it's almost conclusive evidence that, to us that they are using urea salt. And whether this is accidental or not, and I suspect it's not, uh, then is, there, there needs to be action. I, I'd be asking where the hell is Matt Keane and... and Peter Garrett apparently recently endorsed the actions of the Invasive Species Council in their action up here, and I'd, I'd call on the Minister uh, now to conduct an immediate investigation, and we need some independent uh, investigators to be part of that, to conclude whether or not there's urea salt being used, whether this is a deliberate attempt by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to poison the horses, whether this is the policy of the New South Wales Liberal Party, there's a lot of questions need to be answered here, Marcus, and uh, I don't intend letting it go, I can assure you. No, and I don't imagine you would, and you know you have my support on this. Look, I, I'm i trying to be pra- pragmatic about the situation. I've listened to what you've had to say. I've listened to what Reclaim Cozzy have said and other uh, different stakeholders in this, but I am dead set against any culling of animals uh, when it, in this fashion. Um, but, well, can I say, Marcus, yeah. the, the, the Invasive Species Council and Reclaim Cozzy are currently preparing a petition to go to the New South Wales Parliament to have the legislation rescinded that uh, gives protection to these horses. Now, this this is an undermining of the, the democratic process. The legislation has been through the House with the support of both houses of the New South Wales Parliament. Uh, it has the support of the general public. People want to protect their, their cultural identity, which is, of course, the part of it is the Brumby. And, you know, to undermine that process, a democratic process, in my view, is, you know, an intrusion into something which is very precious in Australia, and that is the right to create legislation, create law, and, and abide by it. And at this stage, it's, it's not only the, the political implication of this, this, this is base cruelty. If, if they are poisoning horses, it's base cruelty. And, I, and again, I'd ask, where the hell is the RSPCA in this? You know, these people who, who create an image of being advocates for the animal, yeah. and, and I know that the Animal Justice Party, for example, have already spoken out on this, and, uh, and I applaud them for that. 
and we need to work with them and others. And I know that John Barilaro would not tolerate this sort of activity. I haven't spoken to John, but I can almost guarantee that he would not tolerate this sort of activity going on the park. They need to establish whether it is there's any foundation to the claims, why the horse died, and uh, and if there's any more of it going on anywhere elsewhere in the park. I can't be everywhere in the park. I cover a fair bit of it, but yeah. uh, it, it could be anywhere. All right. We'll follow up with you on this. Uh, is there any way that anybody independent can look at this? I worry that, you know, if we're relying on the state government to investigate itself, that, you know, nothing's going to happen here, Pete. Can we get... We, we need we need a, a vet and an autopsy. Look, yeah. it, it, it wouldn't be a pleasant task, be, uh, I can assure you that, but... But I, there are vets about who would, who would, I'm sure, um, you know, contribute to establishing whether this is fact or not. But look, what about the testing of the is, soil? What about the soil yeah. testing? Can yeah, well, that be leaches, done? The, the salt leaches into the soil and lasts forever. And there are places where the horses have dug holes half a metre deep after the salt. And it leaches into the soil. And uh, this is part of this barbaric behaviour they've got of trapping the horses and, and and tucking them off, and it's just it's just unbelievable they can do it. But look, I would be saying to Gladys, yep. for whom I've got a great deal of respect, get rid of this team, get rid of him now. He's embarrassing to the government. He's immature. He certainly doesn't understand the bush, and he's dragging them down. He'll cause them to destroy the Liberals and Nationals to lose government if they don't get rid of him. All right, mate. Good to chat. We'll catch up soon. Appreciate it. Good on you, Marcus. Thank you. All right, there he is, Peter Cochran, former Nationals member and, of course, a an advocate. Uh, he wants to save the Brumby. He thinks they should be effectively heritage-listed. Others say that they are a pain in the neck and that they destroy the environment down there in the snowy mountains. Look, either way, I don't like the idea of horses being poisoned by this Uriah salt. Anyway, um, we'll certainly try and follow up and we'll hear more from Pete on this issue, no doubt, in the coming months. 13 12 69, the telephone number to have you say, 13 minutes away from 8. Are you there, Leslie? Oh, hi. Yeah, I am here. All right. I just want to talk about Peter Cochran's um, Snowy Mountain Tracks. I've had the honour of riding through there with him twice. Wonderful. And the Brumbies are absolutely amazing critters. And the people who decide to make these decisions to cull animals like this, need to get out of their glass towers, off their bottom, ride through the snowy mountains and visit it firsthand. It's the pigs, the deer, the foxes, the rabbits that are in plague proportions down there. These poor brumbies who carried our man in the light horse yep. are getting tagged with this horrible label. I actually bought two snowy mountain brumbies from Long Times when I came back right. from my first trip to save their lives. Okay, good. And it's a, a sad day for Australia if this is going to be allowed and is actually happening. It's a very well. I don't country. like the idea of while they're trying to sort out the issue, just you know, poisoning animals. I I, I just don't I don't like it. Uh, no. And you're right. Uh, these iconic animals do need to be somehow preserved in in a way that can suit and satisfy people who are concerned about environmental damage. Uh, look, I I think in fairness, there probably are a few instances where brumbies do cause some environmental damage. But then again, as you say, so do all the other pests. Uh, you know, you, you're talking about your foxes, you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, feral cats uh, and other um, species which can damage the environment to an extent. It's how we manage it. I mean, I just don't agree with the idea of poisoning via, uh, you know, this poison salt. Uh, it just doesn't 
ring totally true agree with, with you. I fully support saving the Brumbies. I fully support what Peter Cochran said. Right. He is the most honest man I've ever met in my life. He is a true champion. All right. And um, let's save the Brumbies, I say. All right. Thank you, Leslie. Have Thank a you. wonderful day. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Unscripted, genuine, sometimes silly. Well, look, it's uh, it's a bit colder uh, here in England, and uh, uh, it's so cold I ha- actually have to wear um, hummingbird smugglers. Um, <laughs> Marcus, Paul in the morning. Good morning to you, Tone. How are you, mate? Former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott will be a granddad this year with daughter Frances Locke announcing she's expecting her first child. Frances, who married former Olympic rower Sam Locke two years ago, has been living in Portland, Oregon. Big little baby Locke joining the party summer 21 was written on Instagram under a picture of her cradling her beautiful baby bump. (laughs) Now, back in 2018, Frances and Sam got engaged after two weeks and wed three months later. Uh, Frances last year gushed about her husband on their second wedding anniversary. Anyway, Tony Abbott, as we know, served as the Australian Prime Minister from 2013 to 2015, shares two other adult daughters, Bridget and Louise, with wife Margaret. But am I right in saying this will be the first time he is... We might have to double-check this. I don't want to to, uh, upset the former Prime Minister, but is this the first time that Tones will be a grandfather? Uh, But congratulations... It's just an amazing time. Uh, Politics aside, of course, congratulations to Tony and Margaret Abbott and, of course, Frances and her husband, Sam, on their impending arrival this year. I like a good news story. And bubs are certainly those. Unscripted, genuine, sometimes silly. Are those uh, lobsters faring any better? Do we know? Has the great Chinese crustacean crisis come to an end? Unfortunately not. They are, okay. They're still standard on the tarmac in Shanghai. It's enough to make you crabby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Are you waiting to say that? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was leading up to it. Marcus, Paul in the morning. Yeah, great to have you company. Christina will be joining us soon here in our studio in Sydney. Christina in the capital. We'll get some uh, the latest on politics with her. On the email from Kem, Ken Thomas. Emails, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. The subject is not the Democrats, but the Demonocrats. Marcus, all the Democrats have done the past four years is to dump on Trump daily because he upset the Masonic apple cart. He dared to cross the Brotherhood, a.k.a. the swamp. The number of Biden followers on Twitter is now 23.6 million, when Donald's has been 89.5 million long before this outrage. Civil war is on the cards. Ken at all? Well, I hope not, Ken. I really don't. I really don't. Good morning also to Lyle, who's a, a listener to the program. Lyle is from downtown Bonnyrigg. There's a really, really nice garden centre at Bonnyrigg, just off Elizabeth Drive that I pop past when I'm out visiting mum from time to time. And it's got a nice cafe as well. Anyway, good morning to you, Lyle. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Now, Kevin Somerville is also a regular listener of the program. And he sent us a, uh, a note, which I wanted to mention here, now that I've got a little time. My cursed luck struck again late yesterday, and I had a rather nasty fall. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Kevin. 
I effectively managed to remove a considerable amount of skin, drenching my shirt and jeans in blood, but the real damage was to my ribcage. I've done some serious mischief to those rather necessary lung holders, making the process of breathing absurdly painful. So, at around about 7 o'clock, I dragged myself to the emergency department of the brand new $50 million refurbished Bowerall Hospital. And the triage nurse has a quick look and states, I think you likely have six broken ribs, but our x-ray department is closed until tomorrow. And there is only one doctor on duty, so we may not be able to get you looked at tonight. I waited for three hours. Anyway, just in case, the doctor became available. I ask, this is Kevin, in a large, new, regional hospital, the only one serving the Southern Highlands, that that situation is possible. And I'm told, well, this is a public hospital, but in partnership with a private company who won't provide us with sufficient staff. (laughs) Oh, really? So to summarise, one doctor, one triage nurse, one junior nurse, two cleaners and the COVID-monitored doorman on duty at 7.30pm on a weeknight in the only quote-unquote public hospital serving a region of just shy of 48,000 people. To be fair, a second doctor came on duty at 10pm and was immediately focused on a patient brought in by ambulance. No joy for the emergency department waiting room full of patients patiently waiting and waiting. No allowance for emergencies, no radiology department, no orthopaedic department, and all those new empty beds just sitting there completely and utterly idle. What would have happened if a bad car accident had sent badly injured people to that emergency department? Or a pregnant woman with a placental abruption? These serious emergencies must be able to be managed at the nearest hospital. It's not just about me and my busted ribs, Marcus. A minor issue in the bigger picture. I went home and this morning will return in an attempt to get treatment. My rib cage in absolutely is absolutely on fire. The entire concept of a public hospital staffed by a private company whose only goal is profit is untenable. Well, you're 100% right, Kevin, and I'm sorry you're going through this, mate. I'm really sorry you're going through it. It's not good enough. And that's what I mentioned before the news. When you have public stroke private arrangements in place in healthcare, like we do obviously in aged care facilities around the country, but now also obviously in some of these new hospitals, you've got to remember the Southern Highlands, that area, services... Just shy. Well, it's 47,882 people. How on earth can one doctor, one triage nurse, one junior nurse and two cleaners and a COVID monitor doorman sufficiently staff a hospital that's supposed to service so many people? Mind you, this brand new piece of infrastructure cost $50 million. So I asked the health minister, I asked the Premier of New South Wales, where is the bang for our buck? How much public money went into building this brand new barrel hospital? And why the hell is it unstaffed? It shouldn't be unstaffed. Absolutely not. And the private company involved, who is the private company? And why aren't they providing sufficient staff for the people of the Southern Highlands? 
I'll do a little bit more work on this and, and try and track down some answers. But thank you, Kevin. I, mate, I hope you improve. And I, for God's sake, I hope a doctor can catch up with you today and try and ease some of your misery. All right, this email's coming through from Denise regarding feral cats. G'day, Marcus. Great to have you back in the mornings. Whenever I hear the word feral cats, I get so annoyed. Uh, sorry if I mentioned feral cats down there in the snowies. They are a problem. The reason they are feral is because people dump them in the first place. Also, cats were imported from the UK initially. People need to think about what they are causing. The animals have to survive after being dumped. Thanks, Marcus. Look, I don't blame the cats. Of course, they need to survive. And cats, by nature, are hunters. That's in their DNA. Um, But remember, of course, and we've just gone through a, a giving period of Christmas, a pet, a fur baby, is for life. Don't get a cat or a kitten if you're not going to look after it. And certainly don't dump them because all it leads to is, well, a tragedy ultimately for the cats. Most of them don't survive. But worse of all, what's happening to the native uh, fauna that's being devoured? I mean, I saw a stat the other day that floored me. Billions, billions of native animals are eaten by feral cats around our country each and every year. Don't dump cats. It's as simple as that. 13 after 8, Marcus Paul in the morning in just a couple of moments. Christina in the cap. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. All right. I'm, look. I know it's difficult for people who are locked out of the ACT, but uh, I'm sorry, Andrew, uh, Andrew Barr down there. You can keep Christina out of the capital and here in Sydney with us because we love having you here. Christina, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, before we get into some of the nitty gritty, um, I've got a, uh, a note that's come through from Malcolm Roberts. Speaking of politics, Malcolm says, G'day, Marcus. Following the other... Uh, the vote the other day in Congress certifying that Joe Biden's election has now uh, been offici- you know, officially won. I've ordered a bottle of red from Heritage Estate to be delivered to you at 2SM in Sydney. Yay! <laughs> See, uh, look, before people start ringing up saying, oh, boy, oh, boy, it's cash for Cabernet, it's not really. <laughs> uh, Malcolm was adamant, of course, that Donald would be re-elected as the ongoing President of the United States. I thought differently. I was right. So we had a little bet. And the idea behind the bet was, you know, it's not to, obviously, not to get people to drink, but we wanted to support Australian wineries leading up to Christmas because China, as we know, had, you know, said that we dumped too much there and they put on these tariffs and everybody should support Australian wine. So what we'll do with this bottle um, that's on its way from Malcolm Roberts' office at One Nation is uh, I'll give that away. Uh, to somebody who's deserving, we'll do it as soon as it gets here. Uh, over the next couple of days, we'll we'll put a uh, a call out to anybody who might be having a bit of a tough time at the moment. Who's I'm not even a drinker, so are you? I didn't know that. No, I'm not. I'm not a. 
I am not a drinker at all. So I feel uh, like that's a, a great bet reward going forward, though. A, an Australian bottle of red wine. Hmm. I think so. And uh, what we'll do is we'll pass it on to someone who uh, perhaps likes it and yeah. maybe has had a tough time over Christmas, maybe couldn't see their family, was in lockdown or something on the northern beaches. But we'll do that when the bottle arrives. In the meantime, at 18 after 8, Christina, Acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick has been criticised for comparing Australia's 2020 Black Lives Matter protests to last week's riots in the US Capitol. I mean, this bloke is up there in the tropics. I think he's got a little jungle fever up there, Malcolm Roberts. I mean, why on earth he's not in... Canberra and up in Townsville at the moment, I'll never know, but anyway. Oh, that's he, That's because he's on that uh, rural tour we spoke about yesterday, so he's yeah. uh, touring the regions um, yeah, but across several states. I get that, but why, why wouldn't you be in Canberra talking to key bureaucrats, key health ministers, key health officials on trying to deal with, you know, the ongoing issue of border closures and COVID-19? Yeah, anyway. you, you can say that. Mm. But uh, for, for this, this story specifically, so uh, Michael uh, McCormack, he was interviewed by the ABC Radio National yesterday, and towards the end of that interview, he was asked about his opinion on these uh, US riots that happened, uh, you know, the rioters storming the Capitol building, yeah. and his response to that was, it was unfortunate to see those events at Capitol Hill, similar to the race riots that we saw around the country last year. So those comments were interpreted interpreted by many that Mr McCormack was referencing the Black Lives Matter movement in Australia. And of course, that was sparked by the US and the death of George Floyd. And those protests were largely peaceful. So there have been a lot of people who have come out saying that's not really a comparison to make. Yeah. Uh, Amnesty International are calling for Mr McCormack to withdraw those comments. And the Aboriginal Legal Service has also tweeted that the comments were disappointing. Yeah, I mean, not only Michael McCormick, but other key uh, ministers, including the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, uh, and yesterday, of course, I criticised Craig Kelly. I mean, they've come out and basically had a crack at the social media giants for, for banning Donald Trump. I see social media giants are under pressure to adopt consistent rules when it comes to suspending accounts. My take on this is I understood and I thought it was necessary for Donald to be shut down at the height of those protests. Yes. But ongoing, um, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm, I am uncomfortable with Donald Trump being shut off Twitter and Facebook ongoing. I, I think it's a, a, it, it is denying freedom of speech. So uh, with Australian MPs at the moment, there's kind of two schools of thoughts. There are a lot of conservative MPs who think that uh, silencing or censoring uh, uh, or suspending Donald Trump from Twitter or Facebook is is silencing free speech. So there's that kind yeah. of line of thinking. But then there's also, um, there's a group of Australian MPs, there's more than 50 of them have joined a, a group now, joined together. Mm. And uh, they're, they're basically pointing out that there's a little bit of uh, uh, double standard here. So uh, for example, uh, a comparison I saw previously was that Mr. Trump's Twitter account's been suspended for breaching the company's policy, but then you have the Iranian supreme leader has not been banned, and he's yes. you know he's also violated Twitter policy. He's accused of not only inciting violence but also ordering the murder of protesters. So yep. that's kind of where this is coming in. So it's the technology, selective. exactly. So the technology minister Karen Andrews says she's concerned, you know, that an outcry by prominent people is is what's motivating tech giants, and that's not mm. what should be motivating them. There should be consistent rules if you violate or breach. The these, yes. these policies, then uh, then
then that's when you can be banned. Well, absolutely. And yet you're right, there is a double standard and there's hypocrisy there because it's not just that example that you mentioned. There are many others who do have um, access to social media um, and a lot of it is hate. There's a lot of hate out there online and some of it needs to be shut down. And just because you're the President of the United States... Uh, and obviously has a massive following on Twitter, some, you know, nearly 60-odd million uh, followers. Uh, but then again, you know, if you combine the total amount of followers to a number of other organisations or leaders who've been accused of, you know, similar incitement, well, then you've still got a problem. Yeah, it's it, it worries me. It does. I think as a society, we're still trying to figure out how to moderate online spaces, you mm. know, and we're still just we're still figuring that out. Very true. Passengers on repatriation flights have been reduced following National Cabinet's decision to lower the international arrivals cap, Christina. Yes, yeah, so we spoke about this yesterday. Last week, National Cabinet decided to reduce the number of international arrivals into the country, and that's a, a response to that highly contagious UK strain of COVID-19. So the Herald is reporting that the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade has had to email Australians booked on repatriation flights, so those are ones organised by the government, and tell them that they're no longer allied, allowed onto the flight. So there's a Qantas flight arriving from Los Angeles and will land in Brisbane tomorrow, uh, which is still going ahead, but the number of Australians on that flight has been reduced. Okay. So there have been some that have been told they can no longer board that flight, and that's a direct mm. result of National Cabinet's decision. And uh, that's the same for three Australian government-facilitated commercial flights arriving in Brisbane in the coming weeks. So they've all had those passenger numbers reduced by 50%. Okay. Um, so the government says it's prioritising vulnerable Australians for the, these flights, but that's a bit ironic because only vulnerable Australians are being given access to these flights in the first place. So um, it's like we spoke about yesterday, just a bit of a desperate situation. Well, it is. And I, uh, you know, I feel desperately sorry for people who are still overseas, that want to make it home, that perhaps can't afford the exorbitant air fares that are being uh, muted. And in some cases, I mean, I'm hearing uh, there's a wedding taking place uh, next month. Uh, to come here from the United States of America, uh, including your, you know, your accommodation, paying for uh, quarantine, it's upwards of thirteen thousand dollars. Yes, exactly. That's it's, just one way. Yeah, exactly. For it's goodness ridiculous. sake, ridiculous. It is. All right, Christina, thank you. We will chat with you again tomorrow. Thank you. Christina in the capital here in uh, our Sydney studio. Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, Andrew Cox is the chief executive officer of the Invasive Species Council. He's called in uh, on my earlier chat with Peter Cochran. Uh, he wants to clear up some of the accusations that Peter brought up regarding the, the Brumby cull. Now, the allegations are that the state government's is poisoning Brumbies down there in the Kosciuszko National Park by using some kind of poison salt. Look, I haven't got time to go to Andrew right at the moment, uh, Scruff, so we'll have to get Andrew after the 8.30 news. I don't want to rush through it, uh, So, and I do have to pay, play another break, a break. So we'll come to Andrew after the 8 o'clock news, and we'd love to talk to you as well between 8 and 9. In fact, we're here till midday, so you can call us anytime you like, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Uh, the text number, 0458 049 209. Marcus. All right, welcome back. Uh, Wombat's on the open line to take us to the news. G'day, Wombat. Hello, how are you? Good Christmas? Not bad at all, and Happy New Year to you. You wanted to talk about Barrel Hospital. Uh, yes, in 2019, October, I was having a total knee done down in a private hospital next door 
when Gladys and her uh, hoi polloi, they opened stage one of the new public hospital next door to great yeah. fanfare. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the size, I saw the building happening, and I thought, this is wonderful for this area. Because, uh, as you say, a lot of people live down there. Nearly 50,000. That many, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, no it, shouldn't, it should be publicly funded completely. Well, if it means that this $50 million refurbished barrel hospital is adequately staffed, then absolutely it should be. I worry uh, with a, you know, one triage nurse, uh, mm. another junior nurse, two cleaners and a COVID doorman, whether or not this hospital could cope with an emergency. Um, obviously ah. not. And when Kevin, uh, the person who blew the whistle on this this morning, asked the staff there when he could be seen to and why there was such mm. few staff, they were basically, he was basically told, uh, this is a public hospital, but in partnership with a private company, who, and this is the key part of the allegation, this private company won't provide efficient staff or sufficient staff. And that's the problem. When you're dealing with a population of just shy of 50,000 people, well, I believe the Southern Highlands, the people of Barrel, Mossvale, all of those beautiful areas down there, Kangaroo Valley, they deserve far, far much better considering they paid for this thing. News time now, right on 8.30, Marcus Paul in... In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. I've been listening to you guys for probably about a year, two years now. I really enjoy the show. Marcus Paul in the morning. Brent Voltitude in the afternoon. Talk and sport with the boys. Talk tonight with Graham Gilbert. And in 2021, the king of radio, John Laws, will continue to keep the dream alive. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. This is your wake-up call. Get on the phone, call Marcus Paul. Grab the phone, get on the line. Go tell the world what's on your mind. Don't believe me, just dial. Okay, welcome back. 22 minutes away from nine, New South Wales, daylight saving time. Look, a new study shows students who play hours of video games at night time perform worse in NAPLAN tests. Spending more than four hours gaming or on the internet on a school night meant that some students were 15% less likely to get a high reading score and 17% less likely to score high on numeracy tests. Uh, The contrast is using devices in moderation actually improved participants' NAPLAN reading scores. So that's according to a new study. Uh, What do you make of that? Give us a call. Spending more than four hours gaming or on the internet on a school night meant that students were 15% less likely to get a high reading score and 17% less likely to score high on numeracy tests, I guess. Uh, the key takeaway that I- on that is that using devices in moderation actually improves participants' NAPLAN reading scores. All 
Right, the New South Wales Treasurer Dominic Perrottet has called for strict rules limiting weddings to just 100 people to be eased as soon as possible. Backing a call from a powerful group of venue operators who want larger COVID-safe celebrations and bigger fines for people breaking the rules. Weddings and funerals in Greater Sydney were capped at 100 people under the four square metre rule on January 3 with a little over 12 hours notice. Now, since major changes to ease restrictions in December, wedding venues have faced three different sets of rules. Talk about having your goalposts moved. The latest change has angered many venue owners who believe weddings are being unfairly targeted. Four venue operators who cater for a large proportion of Sydney's wedding market are now calling for caps to be lifted to ease the suffering of couples forced to cut guest lists. What do you make of that? 13, 12, 69, the number. Look, one thing we do on this program is pride ourselves on providing you both sides of any major story. Now, this morning we had Peter Cochran on the program, a former Nationals MP. Uh, He has a vested interest, of course. He runs a a horse-riding operation down in the Kosciuszko National Park. Now, he's made an allegation that the Matt Keane government, well, the New South Wales government, under the direction of the Environment Minister, Matt Keane, well, the allegation is that they are poisoning Brumbies down in the Kosciuszko National Park using some sort of salt, which effectively leads to an agonising death and a painful death for the mammals. Now, I know uh, a lot of people are divided on this issue. Here's just a reminder of what Pete had to say a few moments ago before we hear from the Invasive Species Council CEO, Andrew Cox. I mean, it's in contravention of almost every uh, convention in relation to humanity that you can imagine. I mean, it's it's baseless cruelty. And uh, if it's true that they are using urea salt to salt these horses in, and the salt needs to be tested... We believe they are. The horse is actually dead on the salt lick. And this is a salt lick created in order to attract horses into a place where they can trap them. It is a place that's been used by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to trap horses in the past. Uh, the horse was dead right on the site, right on the salt. So it wasn't as though it was uh, some misadventure in some other place. And uh, it's almost conclusive evidence that, to us that they are using urea salt. And whether this is accidental or not, and I suspect it's not, uh, then is, there, there needs to be action. I, I'd be asking, where the hell is Matt Keane? And, and Peter Garrett apparently recently endorsed the actions of the Invasive Species Council in their action up here. And I, I'd, I'd call on the minister uh, now to conduct an immediate investigation. And we need some independent uh, investigators to be part of that. To conclude whether or not there's urea salt being used, whether this is a deliberate attempt by the National Parks and Wildlife Service to poison the horses, whether this is the policy of the New South Wales Liberal Party, there's a lot of questions need to be answered here, Marcus, and uh, I don't intend letting it go, I can assure you. All right, that's Peter... Co- uh, I beg your pardon, that's Peter Cochran. Andrew Cox now is from the Invasive Species Council of uh, New South Wales. He joins us on the program. Good morning to you, Andrew. Thanks for holding on, mate. Thanks, Marcus. Now, we're a national group, the Invasive Species Council. Okay, the national group. Okay, now you're their CEO. What do you make of these allegations from Peter this morning? Look, I totally reject 
the suggestion that the National Parks and Wildlife Service in any way deliberately poisoned horses. There's trap sites there. They have salt licks to encourage horses to come to the site. They don't poison the horses. The traps have not been used the last few weeks because they've, they've been shut down over school holidays. Sure. They've been trapping over the last six months. And there's hardly any horses to actually trap. Um, look, there's a growing... There's a problem in the park. There's a growing horse population. Um, thanks to Peter Cochran, there's been pretty much uh, go slow or no action at all on these growing numbers of horses. And there's over you know, 15,000, 20,000 horses in the park and they're growing. So, of course, there's going to be some dead foals naturally. And the fact that one was attracted to these salt licks and died there, I don't think you can blame the Park Service on that. Uh, well, I'm certainly not blaming anybody. Uh, I mean, I I would hate the idea of baiting horses and having them, you know, diagonizing deaths. This Uriah salt that Peter's talking about, is it... Uh, so that is not being used at all, or...? Look, uh, there wouldn't be any salt that's used that would have any poison component. Okay. not allowed to be used. They would need a special permit. The National Parks and Wildlife Service are being very careful. They talk to us about the protocols. They're overseen by vets and animal welfare experts, and they're only trapping. Uh, The trapping has been going on for the last few weeks. So unfortunately, if there's a a dead fall in that area, uh, that doesn't mean the Park Service can be blamed for that. No. Uh, look, are we still doing... Uh, the last I heard on this whole debate late last year was that we were undertaking a new count of uh, of Brumbies in the National Park in Kosciuszko to, you know, ascertain uh, the extent of the problem there. That's right, yeah. There was a, a new count done um, that was... It's just been completed in the last month. Sure. And we're waiting for that to be released uh, the last count that was done before the bushfires in early 2019, the count said there was about 20,000, give or take, you know, three or 4,000 in Kosciuszko National Park. And if you look back 20 years ago, there was probably only one to 2,000 horses. So we've got a growing problem. And uh, while the number keeps growing exponentially, another 4,000 foals or so were added this spring. Yes. Uh, we've, we've, got a, we've got a really serious problem, and mm. the, the trapping program that the Park Service has been doing over the last six months has only removed 300, so the population keeps growing. Even this, where this trap site is on the edge of Karango Plain, yeah. 20 years ago there were only about 20 horses counted in that area. Now there's 1,300 horses just in that plain. So the wetlands are being hammered, the headwaters of the Murrumbidgee are just being destroyed by horses, and you're, you're struggling to see kangaroos or wombats near us now. It's turning, the National Parks is turning into a, a horse paddock, and Peter Cocker must be very happy that all he sees in oh, uh, feral horses on his horse tracks. I mean, that's not really what you come to a National Park for. All right. Um, just explain again to my, uh, my listeners why yep. uh, we have a problem with Brumbies in the National Park. What sort of damage do they do, mate? Well, they're over 100 kilograms. They have hard hooves. Uh, they'd like to congregate on the waterways, and there they graze on all of the vegetation. They trample it. So any animal that needs that sphagnum moss or the, or the long grass doesn't have any of that habitat left. So there's threatened species, whether they're frogs or the broad-toothed rat, they're skinks, that don't have any um, homes left, and it muddies the waters it's, uh, it just transforms the whole area into 
short, you know, short cropped grass that's heavily grazed. And the horses are very territorial, so they also chase out the other native animals. They're big animals. And imagine, you know, a plain with a thousand horses there every year, year after year. The wetland gets trampled. Uh, you know, the, the National Park was protected, you know, 75 years ago to protect its water catchments. And now it's being sure. overrun by horses. So the horses really are causing massive damage. All right, good to talk to you, Andrew. Thank you for touching base with us on this. Uh, it's an ongoing debate and an ongoing situation that has divided many, but I, I like to hear all sides of, uh, of any argument. Uh, look, I, unfortunately, I mate, um, yes, I, I tend to agree that there needs to be some culling uh, if it's you know an environmental yeah. impact that is not sustainable. Then obviously, yes, naturally, we do need to ensure... Uh, that we're humanely as possible um, trapping these animals and ensuring that the native flora, I beg your pardon, the native fauna has a fair go uh, in the region. Yeah. I mean, that's what you makes... Know, your, main, your main program is the best, so we, we support that too. All right, mate. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Marcus. See Bye. you, mate. Andrew Cox, who's the Invasive Species Council CEO. What do you make of it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. All right, uh, David, good morning to you, mate. Did you hear about the claustrophobic astronaut? No, David, I didn't hear about the claustrophobic astronaut. What can you tell me about him? All he needed was a little space. (laughs) Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. Oh, God. All right. Thank you, mate. 11 to 9. By the way... Uh, I was up there on the weekend, so this isn't a free plug. I, I paid to get in. I took my, my partner, Ash, for a birthday uh, to cuddle a koala. But I noticed this morning, and we did see Elvis, who's apparently Australia's crankiest crocodile up there at the Australian Reptile Park. I'm just watching him on the television now, having a bit of a blue uh, and a fight, trying to get a, a leg of a cow in his mouth. Anyway, Elvis, the crankiest croc is 55. He's a big boy, absolutely a big boy. And look at those teeth, my God. No wonder you should never smile at a crocodile. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Okay, good morning and welcome to the program. Great to have you company on this Tuesday. It is January 12, 2020. And it feels like Groundhog Day with the news once again being dominated by the pandemic and Donald Trump. Well, Brisbane has awoken to freedom as their hard three-day lockdown ended late yesterday afternoon. But the partner of the Brisbane hotel quarantine worker who tested positive to the highly contagious UK strain of the virus has now also returned a positive result. And that will send shivers up and down the spines of medical professionals in the Sunshine State. But thankfully, he's been in quarantine for four days. The same day, his partner, the cleaner, was also put in quarantine. So hopefully, he won't be passing the virus on to anyone else. Meanwhile, in New South Wales, the state yesterday recorded only three locally acquired cases. And it's great to see that the downward trend has been maintained. While in Victoria, I'm reading this morning that there are zero new cases yet again of COVID-19. Look, by the way, the New South Wales government and the way that they've operated restrictions during uh, this 
while New Year issue with COVID has remained relatively open, which is good. Farther north uh, of the city of Sydney, the northern beaches. I mean, it's testament, in fact, I think, to the fact that the public doesn't need to throw themselves into unnecessary hysteria when a few cases pop up here and there. We were warned that they would. We were told until the vaccine is rolled out, there will be cases popping up here, there and probably everywhere. The attitude of other state premiers and territory ministers toward border closures, though, is quite clearly becoming unsustainable. I mean, our federation really is failing here. If you're going to close borders at the drop of a hat, it's integral that they are reopened as quickly as they're closed. None of this 28-day zero-cases BS, and that's what it is. All it's doing is harming our nation's economy. That's all it's doing, unfortunately. Now, with the absolute disaster that is the United States, the outgoing President Donald Trump is set to become the first president in history to be impeached, not once, but twice. Is anybody surprised? House Democrats introduced their resolution to impeach Mr Trump, charging him with incitement and insurrection for his role in last week's riots in the Capitol. He's a dangerous man, this bloke. I really believe he is. The FBI has issued a warning that Trump fans have planned armed protest at all 50 state capitals from January 16 to January 20, the lead-up to Joe Biden's inauguration. Now, that is why I agree with the closing down, the shutdown of Donald Trump on social media, at least until Joe Biden settles into office. I mean, that's a concern. The FBI has issued warnings that Trump fans have planned armed protests at all 50 state capitals from January 16 to January 20. The last thing we need is Donald with his finger on the Twitter trigger. Acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick stepped up to the role, attracting headlines for denouncing President Trump's permanent suspension from Twitter. Well, I'm sorry, Michael. I know you're up there touring Townsville at the moment, but I believe you're wrong on this. I understand that you are the acting Prime Minister. It's only for a short period. I mean, haven't you got other issues to deal with? I don't think it's wise for him to make such strong comments on a highly contentious issue. Why, don't, why doesn't he leave that for the Prime Minister, perhaps? And In fact, why are any of our politicians here in Australia commenting on the issue at all? I don't understand. We've got some more pertinent, more important issues to deal with here at home. I would have thought. All right, in Sydney's east, a woman's been charged with the murder of her neighbour, 77-year-old retired solicitor Peter McCarthy. 77-year-old. Police will allege Narelle Smith fatally bashed her neighbour during a botched home invasion in December last year. It was an awful story. This is now before the courts, and let's hope justice finds a way here. Sadly, a man has died in Sydney's northwest this morning after the car he was driving collided with a truck on the northern road at Berkshire Park. The truck driver was uninjured and has been taken to hospital for mandatory drug and alcohol testing. And there were some pretty extraordinary scenes in Sydney's in a west yesterday afternoon after a bus burst into flames. Thankfully, the driver's quick thinking to evacuate the bus ensured everybody was uh, not in, uninjured, but the bus was completely destroyed. While in sport, well, what a, an amazing end to a pretty uh, good test match, I thought.
Australia's test against India ended in a draw, but the controversy surrounding the match is far from over. Not only have Australian fans been reprimanded for the alleged racial slurs against Indian fast bowler Mohammed Siraj, but Australian skipper Tim Payne launched what I can only describe as a ridiculously foul-mouthed tirade against Ravi Chandra and Ashwin. I won't repeat what he said. It's not worthwhile repeating. But it was childish. It really was. Uh, I mean, I know they, what do they call cricket, the gentleman game, but I, look, I understand that there's a little argy-bargy and there will be the occasional sledge, but you need to be able to back it up. Shane Warne was very good at sledging, but then he'd bowl the opposing batsman out. Tim Payne can't hold a catch. He dropped four of the bloody things yesterday. Anyway, the fourth test will go ahead. The Indians are going to play ball, so to speak at the Gabba on Friday. Now, we can only hope that Tim Payne... Look, he's come out and apologised, to his credit. He says the stump mics that picked up his tirade against the batsman um, have embarrassed him. He's apologised. He said it's not a good look for the captain of the Australian cricket team with so many young Australians, young aspiring cricketers, boys and girls watching. So let's hope he's learned a lesson from this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I fall short of calling for Payne to be... Stood aside as Australian captain, I don't think that serves anybody. Uh, And let's hope he does learn from it. Come back bigger, better, and for God's sake, get out there and practice your catching, Tim. Meanwhile, in the National Rugby League, the Tigers are fighting to retain M Winger of the Year David Nofaloma, while the Rabbitohs are looking to secure him in 2022 after Corey Allen switched to Canterbury uh, yesterday. Uh, All of that and more... For uh, stations on the Super Radio Network, you'll be able to hear all of that and more with our brilliant talking sport program from 3 this afternoon, New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. In the meantime, if you want to be a part of the program, you can call me now. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. The Fortress text number is also open for you. 0458 049 209. That's 0458-049-209. Emails, you can send them directly to me here in the studio. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com and follow us on social media, the hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call Marcus now, 13 12 69. Yeah, in for the John Laws Morning Show around Australia, my number 13 12 69. Well, this is a nice surprise. Happy New Year, Susan. Oh, Happy New Year to you and Justin and the crew there. Thank you, Susan. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Ah, look, I can't complain. Beautiful day. I'm doing what I love doing, and more importantly, I'm talking to people like you, Susan. Thank you. What's on your mind, Doug? What's on my mind is the Donald. Oh, really? Yes. Well, he's oh, yes. Uh, we got to say, you know, like uh, I mean, we are part of the big picture. Yeah, we got to say something about him. Yeah, know, but I don't. It, it, I don't like the fact that we seem to be overly talking about what's happening in the United States. Yes, I understand. Of course, uh, you know, uh, we are linked to them as a, a very important ally and a trading partner. But I think it's all been a little over the top, to be honest. The coverage. Um, I don't know. I think we need to let America heal, don't we? Well, yes, but because we're part of the big picture, we need to know what's going on too. True. You know, they have a lot to do with us and we have a lot to do with them. 
Yeah, but I'd rather we just focus. I'd rather people like Michael McCormick, the acting Prime Minister, I would prefer that he focus on what's happening here in Australia at the moment yes, with this yes, yes, COVID outbreak. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. But uh, all these little things affect us here, there or somewhere. True. You know, yeah, OK. Now, there's something I'd like to say. Listen, uh, it, it looks and sounds like the, the world has voted this time uh, everyone's everyone's pleased that his toys uh, will be removed permanently. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm and, not. Eh? I'm not. I don't think he should be banning anybody permanently. From I, I, I think his media. toys should be removed. You know, like having having access to red buttons and whatnot. <laughs> you know, uh, oh. people people can now, if they're removed permanently, people can now uh, go to sleep safely. Knowing that we have a tomorrow. Oh, well, look, I think there are plenty of people in the way of Donald Trump and that big red button that everybody keeps talking about. I'm not, I'm more concerned about civil unrest. I mean, I mentioned at the, uh, the start of the program uh, not long ago that the FBI are concerned of more protests in the lead up to Biden's inauguration. I don't want to see people storming state capitals. I don't want to see any more violence. I don't want to see any more people lose their lives. We've already lost five people in the last week there in uh, in Washington. Let's hope it doesn't spread to other parts of the United States. Susan, thank you for the call. Jeffrey, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. Yes. I'm sorry I've been on talking to you. Yes, Jeffrey. What's on your mind, mate? Well, two or three things, Marcus, been ringing up for the last two years, yeah? Yeah, I've heard you speak to John before. You have a, a bit of a, a speech impediment, don't you? I'm sorry about that. That's okay. That's okay. Just tell me what is it you want to talk about, Geoffrey? Well, a few things, right? It's just all uh, God to death in seven days, right? Yes. Well, it's not seven days. Until the second Saturday... Just to hear my friend, but in the Lord's day, one day is a thousand years. Yes. So seven thousand years it took him to John deal with this. Yeah. All right, mate. I'll leave it there, Jeffrey. Thank you for the call. I don't mean to be rude, but um, apart from the, the speech issue, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be rude, but uh, I mean, I want people to be able to understand what the callers are saying. Uh, and again, I I understand that uh, that man has a speech impediment, but as soon as he started off with the words, God invented the world in seven days, he kind of lost me. Rita, good morning. How are you? Are you there, Rita? Oh, sorry. It's all right, Rita. <laughs> I'm, I'm off in a world of my own. Good morning, Marcus. Happy New Year, my dear. <laughs> you too, darling. That's all right. I'm um, often in a world of my own as well. Sometimes it's the uh, best world to be in, isn't it? Oh, that's right. They know me there. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. Um, I was, I was, look, I was going to talk about Donald Trump, but do you mind if I don't? I, I Thank you. We're all over it. Um, what I wanted to say, um, talk about too, is um, they were saying something on the radio this morning about a, a traffic light system. For the um, for the zones, you know, like it's red, yellow, or red, amber, and, and uh, green. Yeah, for Victoria. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, I was at my mum's on the weekend, and she has the um, the Italian TV station 
um, that you know she she pays for for the for the thing. And they were talking about this, and I'm, I'm saying to my mother, "What are they talking about? Yellow and orange?" I honestly didn't didn't even occur to my in my head. Yeah. And she said, "Oh, they're the different zones. Um, green, you're okay to go, and then yellow, you have to worry. You know, and orange is." is bad, you know, I'm going, oh, okay, whatever. And now I'm hearing that they want to introduce it here. That might be a better way of doing things, to tell you the truth. At least if they say, right, this area here is the red zone, this area here is the orange zone, and that area there is green, so you can go. I think that might be, I don't know, it might make it easier as as to where you know where to go or not to go sort of thing. Yeah, well, look, I uh, I can't wait for the whole thing to be done and dusted, to be honest, and I agree with uh, some who are calling for in New South Wales the further easing of restrictions for those who are trying to have weddings and other major events um, over the coming weeks. Uh, Look, this Victorian travel permit plan, the stop-go or traffic light system, I mean, it's all good in theory, but unfortunately um, it didn't come online until a little later than when it was supposed to. It caused all sorts of grief and chaos for those down on the border. I, I don't know. There's the Service Victoria portal, all the w's.service.vic.gov.au, was due to go live just before 6 o'clock last night, but people logging on after 6 were unable to access it. I mean, talk about a balls up. A message displayed on the site on Monday night said the new permit system will be available shortly. Please check back here later today. It was finally online by 9 o'clock last night. I've got a story on this situation in Victoria. Anita is a good friend of my breakfast program. Anita, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sweetheart. Happy New Year. The same to you. Same to you and all of your listeners. I got that note you sent. Tell me, what's going on? Oh, look, yesterday was a hot day in in Victoria and, and... In central Victoria, it was a little bit hotter than a lot of other places. But I had to take my father to a specialist appointment at the Bendigo Hospital. Yeah. So I, he's 85. I tried to park as close as possible. And um, he we wore our masks. So we proceeded to go into the hospital. We went through the whole um, process of walking slowly, you know, because he's, he's aged. We got to the hospital entrance and he was a bit puffed out looked a bit white a bit wobbly and I said look can you make it into into the foyer so at least we can check in and then we can have a sit down yeah him being 85 of course they've got the never say die attitude he's I'll be right I'll be right anyway I knew that he wasn't and he's holding his chest and we get there get up to the first floor sit down into the waiting room and the lady behind the desk um God bless her. She was very, 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 very quick to notice that he wasn't quite right. I'm asking if he was okay, if he needed a drink, you know, all that type of thing. Anyway, he was rushed through into uh, one of the rooms in the specialist room. And next thing we know, there's a porter coming down um, and taking him to the accident and emergency department. Went through, got onto the um, heart monitor and his and he had he had his mask on the whole time from leaving leaving the, the car to to this point. Which is supposed to, his, yes. o- his oxygen levels were very, very low and they were they were all rushing around him thinking it was a heart attack. Anyway, his, uh, the oxygen um, alarm started to go off and I thought, hang on a minute. So he's deaf anyway and he needs to read people's lip- lips. So I, I said, take your mask off. So he pulled it down. Yep. Well, actually, I pulled it down of and course. the oxygen beat stopped. And... Then the, the, the nurse said, oh, you have to put your mask on, sorry. So he put it back on and the oxygen beat went back on. 
so his oxygen levels were very, very low. Now I said to the I said to the doctor, "Is that because of the mask?" And she just looked at me and nodded her head. I said, "Right, he's not wearing it." We then had a conversation about how, in her view, the masks weren't effective and they caused more harm than good. And obviously, what I witnessed yesterday, particularly in an aged person on a hot mm. day, it does have an impact on the amount of oxygen going through your body. Five hours later, he was released, um, and from the point that I told him not to wear the mask, um, he was fine. His oxygen levels were fine. Well, that's good. Uh, look, there are some uh, some regulations in place that say people who suffer from respiratory issues... I'm just uh, having a look at some of the guidelines here from uh, Vic Health. Uh, you're in Victoria, aren't you? Is that right? Yep, I am. Yep. Yep. Uh, there are some regulations in play that say... For those who are affected by breathing abnormalities or breathing difficulties, masks are not mandatory. So it concerns me that this nurse, who obviously is trying to, probably thinking she's doing the right thing, it concerns me that the nurse is urging uh, your father to put his mask back on when quite clearly he's having breathing difficulties. Mm -hmm. Yep, and and he, he doesn't have any respiratory problems. He does have a bit of a ticker problem. But all the tests have shown of late that, that it's operating okay. So he's okay. going to be on this earth for a little bit longer. But, yeah, this whole situation. And so, Marcus, I wanted to just let your listeners know that if they do have an elderly person and, you know, they're out and about, just be very mindful because we don't know that our oxygen levels are dropping until it's too late, you know, the, the, the lightheadedness and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. But it. But it had an impact on my father so much that, yeah, I know. If I didn't see it from my own eyes, I would have gone. Well, you know, masks. You know. Well, it's, thank it's goodness you were. Actually, yeah, thank goodness you were with him. I mean, if you, if he was by himself, and he kept that mask on, uh, I mean, the results could have been quite different, couldn't they? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. bit of word of warning for all of your listeners: just take care, particularly if it's particularly if it's hot, but particularly for your elderly elderly people out 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 there listening. Yeah, I think the words "common sense" need to have a big part in any discussion around masks and the wearing of masks. I'm not anti-mask by any measure. Uh, I've just been sent uh, a, an interesting note here from Mickey. Uh, Mickey sent me an email and also a, an accompanying video uh, of what's happened on the central coast of New South Wales over the weekend. And uh, it's right next to Big Tuna Fish Co. It's on the main street of the entrance, I think it is. Uh, he says, how shameful, Marcus. Look at this. Absolutely no social distancing, no masks at all. That was the entrance last weekend. Mickey says Marcus businesses have an obligation to enforce rules just as customers do. Um, so there we go. Um, we might try and share that video if we can. Mickey, if you are listening, mate, perhaps you might be able to send me the raw video. Uh, I can't share it on uh, on the social media platform that you've sent it via. But if you're listening, Mickey, please send me the raw video and we'll certainly put it up. Uh, that is not in my mind, how we should be operating. Uh, and I get that beaches are busy and they're packed and everyone wants to go to the local cafes, etc. But we are supposed to have safeguards in place at the moment to ensure we don't get a repeat of what happened on the northern beaches. I'd hate to see the Central Coast being locked down because 
of an outbreak of COVID-19. And what we're seeing here on this video quite clearly shows a very packed strip at the entrance with no masks and no social distancing inside the uh, uh, people waiting for their takeaways and their fish and chips and all the rest of it. It's just packed. Marcus Paul in the morning, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Rod, good morning, how are you? Are you there, Rod? All right, yes, Rod. Marcus, how are you going? Good, thank you, yeah, Rod. That's good. I just wanted to speak about this, um, these travel zones that Victoria have thrown up. Yeah. Um, look, if you, if you looked at the mapping, you'd think, you'd think to yourself that um, as far as the states go, it looks like a labour squeeze on New South Wales to me. That's north and south of the borders. Okay, so look, I'm in Tweed Heads, right? So yeah. to get into Victoria, I've got to do the orange zone thing. But mm. I'm 500 metres away from the green zone. That's why okay. I, I, I really, when it comes to border towns, we've had this conversation. We talked about it last year, I think, till I was blue in the face. When we're talking about restrictions for border towns, whether it's Albury and Wodonga, whether it's Coolangatta Tweed Heads, or in fact the, the Northern Rivers, they need to extend the zones. It doesn't work. So in other words, why can't Queensland start, I don't know, just north of Grafton or something so that people who ordinarily travel each and every day between the northern rivers of New South Wales uh, or the Tweed Coast into the Sunshine State can go about their business without all this BS? That's right. But look, the Tweed Ed is actually part of the Gold Coast. We actually use the same telephone prefix. Yes. But it goes a little bit deeper than this. Mm. It goes a little bit deeper than this being a border situation. If you look at the green zone, right, which is Coolangatta, and you follow it up to where the red zone starts, that green zone is actually very close to a red zone. So we're 900, uh, you know, 900 kilometres away from the red zone in our state, but we're only sort of like 40 <laughs> minutes' drive to the red zone in Queensland. I know. Uh, look... COVID doesn't follow maps. It doesn't follow red zones, green zones, or even yellow zones. At the end of the day, we all need to exercise a bit of common sense. And that's why I mentioned, that's why I mentioned it to Anita before in regards to masks and elderly people suffering from breathing difficulties. If somebody's having issues with a mask and they can't breathe, take the thing off <laughs> uh, where it's safe and practical to do so, obviously. Uh, and when it comes to border closures... And people who are trying to get about their daily lives in Coolangatta Tweed Heads, Albury, Wodonga, other parts that are, you know, the twin town concepts, if you like, of uh, border areas, just exercise a bit of common sense, really. We just, you know, COVID-19 doesn't discriminate across borders. It doesn't know what's a green, yellow or red zone, for goodness sake. Anyway, if you want to have your say on this or anything else, 13 12 69, the telephone number. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning. Morning to you, Albo. How are you feeling? The head-on uh, collision with a, uh, a Range Rover on the wrong side of the road. I was... Uh, I've just very, very lucky to survive the, the, the accident. The, my car is uh, an absolute write-off. I just received magnificent support from the, the police, of course, arrived very quickly, uh, and then uh, the paramedics were terrific. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Don't put...
mask over the glasses. Well, I've got my mask here, all right? I've got... I'm going to put it on. It's a little difficult with headphones. Hang on there. So the mask is going on. <laughs> I can't see a thing. When yeah. you put your glasses on, tuck them underneath it. Oh, I see. All right, good tip. 2SM has Sydney talking. All right, that number 131269. Ron, are you there? Yes, mate, how are you? All right, happy new year to you, Ronnie. Yes, same to you, mate. Great to hear you again. Thank uh, you. Did you have a restful uh, holiday? I had a wonderful couple of weeks off. It was nice. Unfortunately, uh, the border closures at the last moment meant that I couldn't visit family. I'm not the only one in that boat, but uh, I truly understand how frustrating it is. Well, that's right, because you've got your father in a nursing home in, in service, haven't you? Uh, Burley, yes. I oh, want to Burley, see that's him right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, you, you, you must miss him. Absolutely. Uh, I yeah, tried but, yeah, four times, time. Ron, four times last year. I tried to get up there, and every time I made plans to go, Anastasia Palaszczuk uh, closed the borders on us. And, uh, of course, I live uh, on the north shore of Sydney, so I was effectively shut out of everywhere almost. Anyway, Ronnie, what's on your mind, my friend? Well, I, I've been... I, I admire uh, uh, Albanese. Uh, I think the way he's handled that... Uh, Accident is is wonderful. The way he's he, uh, he's he's had compassion for the young driver who was obviously on the wrong side of the road, and uh, he he made the comment that uh, he he hoped that after this, this accident he would be be the best driver in Australia. So yes. uh, he's been very kind towards him. Yeah, he said that on my program yesterday. I spoke to Anthony exclusively yesterday morning. Uh, I think it was picked up uh, by other media around Australia. And look, that's the uh, I think. The marking of the man. I like Anthony Albanese. I think he's a thoroughly decent bloke. He's a bloke yeah. I would have a, a meal with or a beer with. Uh, and I think he's he speaks to the average Australian. I mean, pretty average driving down Marrickville in a Toyota Camry, if you ask me. But, absolutely. He'll need a bit more aggro, I think, Ron, if he, if he is going to cut through and and take on Scott Morrison. It could well be an election year. Anthony told me, um, you know, privately that he believes Scott Morrison might pull the trigger early, later this year. We'll see what happens. Well, I, I, I agree because um, he'll want to get in while he's uh, still on top of his game. And uh, maybe... Um, See, I think Albanese might maybe the same sort of man that we that we need. He's uh, not a, he's absolutely non aggressive, but he's been around a long time, and uh, that's why I think in America the chap they got there now is the same type of person. Very very steady. Very uh, uh, he knows what he's doing, a and I think calming influence uh, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, see next year, and I, I think it will be brought on earlier for sure, because um, this is not helping this business with the virus and Trump is not helping helping uh, Morrison one little bit, because he was a, a great um, supporter of Trump, and... Um, that could go against him as in the fact that... Um, oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, think, I think. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, look, I don't really think uh, by the time the Australian election rolls around, people will think back to Donald Trump and link that with Scott Morrison. That's my personal opinion. Uh, look, I just want our politicians here in Australia, Ronnie, to focus on, on domestic issues, getting our economy back on track, getting you know, our, our borders reopened and allowing yep. people to uh, re-enter the workforce, uh, to try as best as we can, uh, to limit the amount of public funds that have to be borrowed 
life of job keeper and job seeker and and let's get back to to being Australians and stop being sidetracked by the malarkey that's going on. Well, out of all this, uh, what's going on with the, with the virus, we're going to be one of the best. Uh, in the best situation to 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 come back, especially New Zealand as well, because you know we've got we've got this under control to the fact we're not having we've stopped the deaths that we're having. And uh, well, yes, yes, we're the only country with New Zealand. I think combining us with New Zealand because we are our answers, aren't we? we? Are one of the kind of Australian New Zealand, and I think we're going to be in a very strong position to uh, might everybody want to come here, and especially holiday makers. <laughs> the, the well, they can come. Industry will thrive. They can come so long as they don't bring COVID, mate. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it, right? Marcus Paul in the morning, filling in for John Laws. I thank Marcus. He's a very good broadcaster, full stop. We love this industry. We love what we're doing. Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call 13 12 69. Absolutely not. And uh, the king of talkback, John Laws, back on the air around Australia just after the Australia Day long weekend. Okay, Lawsy. For his, what, 70th year on air. 70th year on air. Unbelievable. Uh, Chris Jones has been in touch via email. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. Marcus, I totally disagree with your opinion in shutting down Trump's social media accounts. Freedom of speech is crucial in any society, and I put it to you, had Trump have won this election you would be a fool to think the Democrat supporters wouldn't be doing exactly the same, if not worse. And why wasn't the BLM movement condemned by the Democrats in the same way Trump supporters are now being condemned? Well, I'm sorry, they were. I certainly condemned them. I know a number of other commentators who condemned them. Uh, maybe they weren't on a uh, as big a scale, perhaps, as what you would have liked, Chris. But then again, this is the problem. It's all politics. I just want everything to calm down, for goodness sake. I've had enough of it, haven't you? Really. Mandy, hello. Oh, Happy New Year, Marcus. Happy New Year to you, Mandy. How are you? I'm great. Excellent. Apart from the heat. Um, <laughs> how, how are things in Broken Hill? Hot, obviously. Uh, very hot, and tomorrow's going to be 41. Ooh, yeah. Well, it's summer. It's Australia. It's not. It's I not know, as if I don't you know, love it. <laughs> it's not extraordinary at all. But you know, how do you cool down in Broken Hill, Mary? Uh, uh, Mandy. Um, with the air cooler. Okay. <laughs> the bomber thing on top of the house. Where do you um, swim? Where do you Where do you cool off? So if you want to get some water. Uh the shower. <laughs> <laughs> the sh- Come on, don't you have a pool? I'm sure you've got swimming holes and swimming pools. I don't even know that swimming pool is open. Um, Oh, of course it'd be open. I don't think it is. Really? A town the size of Broken Hill in the middle of a sweltering Australian summer where Uh, it's 41 degrees and you're telling me there's not a public pool to be found? I reckon there would be. Well, there is one, but okay. I'm not sure if it's open. I, I did know it was um, shut down for a certain while, so it might be open, hopefully. But... Well, it should be at 41 degrees, but if uh, look, if you don't go there, oh. I guess you've always got the, what did you say, Mandy, a cold shower, hey? Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the call. Have a great day. All the news and views. Don't leave me into your rubbish. What? Don't you keep... 
taking us on, on flights of fancy. Your, your, your city, Lily Pad lefty, map mindset, right? So I'm not going to answer your questions because they insult us as a race of people. Breakfast with Marcus Paul. Where is the Mad Hatter these days? Is he back from holidays, uh, my mate, Catter? Uh, Marcus, did I tell you about the other day? Well, I left Gosford and drove to Sydney. My wife phoned to warn me there was at least one idiot driving on the wrong side of the road. I said, what do you mean, one idiot? There's hundreds of them. (laughs) (laughs) That was you, hey, Louis. Um, Who else has been emailing us this morning? Peter, Peter Rees. Regarding one of my callers, Marcus, in regards to your caller about opposition leader Anthony Albanese, who mentioned Prime Minister Scott Morrison's relationship with President Trump, I don't suppose he would be concerned about Anthony Albanese's relationship with Jeremy Corbyn, who's apparently an anti-Semite. Again, Peter, I don't know. Um, And to be honest, I don't really care. I don't care about Scott Morrison's I mean, look, of course the Prime Minister of Australia, even if it was Anthony Albanese or Bill Shorten or, like, previous Prime Ministers, Julia Gillard, Kevin Rudd, everybody needs to be, uh, you know, friendly and certainly uh, on a, a good relationship level with the President of the United States, regardless of who it is. And Scott Morrison will need to have a relationship, a working, professional, diplomatic relationship with Joe Biden. I mean, does it really matter? Why are we politicising absolutely everything? Um, It's like this never-ending fight, for goodness sake. All righty, give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say. SBS and all the Murdoch press is such a bloody mess. So who the hell is Marcus Paul? What a bloody call. Let's anybody call. They call him up on 13 12 69 and he lets them say what they're thinking. Just call. 13, All right, welcome back to the second hour of the program. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, John Law's back uh, a little later this month uh, after the Australia Day long weekends. Marie, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, young Marcus Paul, and good morning to your listeners. Uh, I'm getting along with life like most Australians. You cope. You've yes. got to get up and make the most of what you've got. Now, some of us have got good memories, Marcus. You're very young at the moment, but one of your listeners that do the dates and the times, the history of our country, when you get people that come on sometimes and they're on the stage and they want to program the rest of us and they all say the same thing, and we're all on the one page. Very few people say, excuse me, from which book is your page from? And what I'm alluding to, Marcus, there was a time in this country, the Mitchell Library, it had all the books of the history of this country in there. And that library was invaded and certain books were removed. I wonder why that was, Marcus. Can someone tell me why those books were removed? 
um, history is a wonderful teacher. It constantly repeats itself, and history's changing all the time. When are we going to be grateful for a country like this that we've got and stand up collectively and all work together? Nobody was prepared for this virus, and give Scott Morrison and Donald Trump their due. They were the first to ask China, please explain. China didn't like it. Marcus, I'm sure you'd guarantee that one point three billion people in China, half of them would love the freedom we've got here. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for allowing us to have our say, Marcus. Anytime, Marie. Uh, thank, thank you for you. the call. All the best. Marie from the Shire. Thirteen twelve sixty nine is the open line number. Kath, are you there? Yes. Yes, Marcus, I am. Morning, Kath. Uh, Good morning. How are you? I'm just welcoming you, really, to the radio. You've got a wonderful manner. Thank you. you. And, and most of the others, and as I said to the lad a minute ago, I know you're not allowed to comment on other announcers that, oh, my God, you could teach Dean Mackin a few lessons. <laughs> let's, let's not go there, please. I, I do have a rule. And the one thing about uh, the, the network... Uh, is that we're a broad church and everybody has differing opinions. Uh, (laughs) Dean and I vary on a number of levels, but uh, I will say Dean does his his research. He reads into issues. Oh, yes, yes. He gets gets people to think and we're after reactions. You don't always (laughs) have to agree with us. You just need to listen. If you want to yell at us, if you want to ring up and say, oh, Oh, that's that's what it's all about. That's That's talk radio and... um, I, you know, that's just the way we do it. Yes, and yes I, I know, Marcus. I realise that and I appreciate that. It's just that, that really, I just really wanted to welcome you. Well, thank you're you. Very, you've got a very, very good manner. All right. Okay? It's very kind of Thank. you. Thanks, Kat. <laughs> All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, Jason, are you there? Yeah, mate. How you going? Hey, Jason. Well, thanks, buddy. What's on your mind? I'd uh, take away corner stores, mate, to do, you know, take away hot food and stuff. Yeah. I'd, I've had a gutful, hey, really seriously. Why you know, is that? Like, I'm in former Queensland. Mm. Um, well, mate, every, you know, like this particular little corner store in Toowoomba here, you know, everything's usually undercooked and that. And I've stopped going there now. And, you know, last time I got a chicken leg, mate, and it was red as. Really? Inside, yeah. yeah. And half pink down to um, about halfway down the chicken leg. And Did I, you I took take it back? It back? Said, oh, look. Yeah. yeah, I took it back and I said, oh, Look, love, I, I can't eat this. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, just not right. She goes, what's wrong with it? I said, well, have a look at it. She goes, oh, that's been frozen. You've frozen that and brought I said, no, I haven't frozen the bloody thing and brought it back at all. Really? I said, you just can't cook. Yeah, well. You know, you're cooking them from frozen is a problem. Yeah, well, that seems to be the case. I see, look, I don't want to run down small business. Uh, Look, I think um, it'll be survival of the fittest when it comes to, you know, your takeaway stores. If if it's a good takeaway shop, it'll be, uh, it'll have customers that will return. People will be loyal. For sure. You know, and you you have to wonder, uh, this shop you're talking about at Toowoomba, you have to wonder whether they have a a strong customer base, if that's the way they're presenting food. Well, mate, their their Facebook page is atrocious, and they've actually taken their Facebook page down. I don't Mm. don't complain on Facebook. I'd rather go back face-to-face and say, hey, listen, there's a problem. You know, all it takes is 
Oh, look, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, would you like me to cook you up another one or would you like a refund? That's all it takes. Well, the no, customers... it escalated and it just went oh, to, really? you know... Well, the customer's yep. always right, and we are talking about a bloody oh. chicken leg. I mean, for, for you to... You don't uh, mess with chicken or seafood, mate. Simple no, you'll be that. sick. That's a simple rule. You can be sick. Well, Jace, mm. I think you need to yep. find another takeaway store. I have. Good and, on and, you, mate. And just quickly, mate, just yes. quickly, I went to a fish and chip shop, and now it's a well-known one, really good. Um, yeah. And... You know, there was a couple of little things wrong. No mm. dramas. I, I rang the fellow up and I said, oh, look, mate, you know, the, the calamari rings were chewy and this and that. And he goes, mate, <laughs> he goes, look, next time you're in, talk to me and I'll fix you up. Not well, there you go. So, mate, appreciate, appreciate your service. That's what it's all about. Well, that's right. So two different takeaway places. One gives a crap and one doesn't. You well, know? we know which one you'll be going to in the future, Jason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good yeah, on you, buddy. Mate. Have a great right, day. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, see, nothing is off limits. Even dodgy chicken takeaway on this program. <laughs> Look, we're being urged collectively as Australians to pay a little more respect to retail workers after a customer became enraged after refusing to scan a QR code. Maybe you've seen the audio of this. Uh, I know we shared it on our social media page. It was of this bloke up there at Kellyville in northwest New South Wales who went ballistic inside of Macca's because he was asked to scan in. Uh, look, the, the police have been onto this bloke and he's been charged. But the thing that I was concerned about was the way that this bloke treated the staff. Well, no. Young people who work at Macca's and are out earning a living, paying taxes, should be treated far more respectfully than the way this bloke carried on like a palooka. I mean, we're always at our youngsters, aren't we? Uh, We want them off the tablets, you know, uh, stop being lazy, get out to work. And when young people do find jobs quite often... And I'm no, you know, I'm no big fan of McDonald's or any of the takeaways like that. But they employ a lot of young Australian people and they employ a lot of new Australians. And they also employ some disabled Australians. Or, as I like to refer to them, as able Australians. So everybody that works, whether it's, to be honest, whether it's at McDonald's or a local retail store, they deserve your respect. And there's been a little bit of nonsense going on. And I think it's been highlighted by this palooka at McDonald's the other day. I mean, uh, he almost injured the young lady serving him because he picked up the cash register and basically threw it across the counter after spitting a whole heap of verbal abuse at her. I mean, this video will follow this bloke around for the rest... Around, he'll follow him for the rest of his life. He'd probably want the day over again and I would imagine he'd think twice about his actions. Anyway, the State Secretary at the SDA, Bernie Smith, said the rules are in place to protect all of us. And I would just urge everybody listening that, look, if you are asked to scan in, if you are asked to put on a mask, be respectful, be polite, and just go along with it. If you disagree and you don't want to wear a mask, then get the hell out of the shopping centre because you're not allowed in there. And it's unfortunate that a lot of young people working in retail at the moment are having to be gatekeepers for government policy, and they deserve our respect rather than being abused.
just on a side note, um, happy birthday to Elvis. No, not the king of rock and roll. We know he's no longer with us. I'm talking about another Elvis who's got a pretty big following as well. Elvis, one of the crankiest saltwater crocodiles on the planet. He happens to live not far from where I'm broadcasting. Wow. No, he's not in Sydney Harbour. He's up there on the central coast at the Australian Reptile Park. Elvis, a.k.a. Australia's crankiest crocodile, is 55 today. And he celebrated, of course, with, well, a three-course meal. The first course was, I think, the leg of a, <laughs> a calf. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I watched some of the vision of it this morning. It's like this crocodile was waiting for his birthday. Just devoured absolutely devoured the food. I know it was all for show for television, but boy, oh boy, those crocs are cranky. Anyway, happy birthday to you, Elvis, and I'm, I know you enjoyed your, your three-course breakfast this morning on television. Look, as we all know, the United States is currently in a state of disaster with stout Trump supporters clashing with law enforcement across the country and the blame being firmly laid on the outgoing president. There's no question about whether or not his inflammatory tweets incited his followers to raid Capitol Hill. They simply did. And Twitter finally took action to permanently suspend the president's account and issued a very in-depth statement as to how they came to that decision. But now we've got people across the world claiming the social media platform is stifling freedom of speech. Look, some say it's a ridiculous claim. I don't know. I've said before, and I I stick by this, I believe that, yes, at the time, the action was warranted until Joe Biden uh, settles into office. But the more I read about it, I, I don't know. I mean, Donald Trump, whether you can accept it or not, has been tweeting ridiculous updates since he assumed office. And when read in the broader context of the ongoing violence in America, there's no doubt that his statements encourage violence. And though they may not expressly tell people to storm Capitol Hill, his refusal to concede the election and continue to make allegations the election was fraudulent, despite every single court case saying otherwise, is what fuels his followers. One person who decided to weigh in on the Twitter ban is our own acting Prime Minister Michael McCormick, who said he did, quote, not believe in that sort of censorship. He went on to say there have been a lot of people who have said things on Twitter who didn't receive that sort of condemnation. Well, he's right, and I agree there's a bit of a double standard going on. I mean, there are plenty of despots out in the world who still have access to social media, so they may be right. Uh, But perhaps what's the Deputy PM and Acting Prime Minister, Mr McCormick, failed to realise is that the extraordinary power and influence of Donald Trump is there for all of us to see. So when he makes inflammatory comments, people act. And unfortunately, they act violently. Those people McCormick was referencing maybe don't have the same influence that the President of the United States has. And to be blunt, Mr McCormick is only act, only the acting Prime Minister for a short period and it's probably not all that helpful for him to comment on highly contentious issues like what's happening in the United States. Maybe leave that to the Prime Minister. And maybe, maybe I can finish on this by saying 
To those who believe Twitter is strife is stifling freedom of speech, inciting violence that results in five deaths is not exercising freedom of speech. In fact, it's probably closely bordering on domestic terrorism. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. Gary, are you there? Hello. How are you? All right, Gary. What's on your mind, mate? Uh, just a simple one about uh, the poor people working in retail across Australia. I was brought up in uh, Queensland and my mum worked in retail most of her life. And one thing that she used to say all the time that I remember well is... If you want good customer service, you need to start out by being a good customer. Well, that's true, isn't it? Absolutely. And you do need to respect people in their workplace. I, yeah, I think so as well. That's all I really had to say. All right. It's something that's been on my mind. No, that's true, Gary, and I appreciate you calling. I mean, at the end of the day, say you're an office worker. How would you like if somebody walked into your office, demanded to see you, and then gave you a spray? Uh, well, you wouldn't. So why do people, some people, think it's okay to label abuse and have a crack at people working in retail who quite often are following advice from their superiors? Pete, good morning. How are you, Peter? Ah, Pete's gone and got engaged. It's all right. I think Pete wanted to talk about Australia Day. Uh, give us a call back, Pete, 13 12 69. Anybody else who would like to have their say as well. Uh, the Fortress text is open, 0458 049 209. 2SM has Sydney talking. Oh, my goodness, John Laws. We're the survivors. 2SM has Sydney talking. Marcus Paul in the morning, filling in for John Laws. I thank Marcus. He's a very good broadcaster, full stop. We love this industry. We love what we're doing. Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call 13 12 69. All right, uh, what do you make of this? This morning I, I caught it out of the corner of my eye. I didn't have the chance to go into it too much, but in Tasmania... Apparently, the government down there is looking at raising the legal age of smoking cigarettes from 18 to 21 years of age. I don't know whether that can be policed, can it? Tasmania, looking at raising the legal age of buying cigarettes and smoking from 18 to 21. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. Look, a man has died and a woman was injured following a crash on the New South Wales mid-north coast yesterday. Awful accident just west of Warhope at Huntingdon. Emergency services were called to the Oxley Highway just before 1.30 yesterday after reports a Toyota Prado towing a caravan travelling eastbound had crashed. The driver, a man believed to be aged in his 70s, died at the scene. He's yet to be formally identified. Now he's 71-year-old, I can only assume wife, was taken to Port Macquarie Base Hospital in a stable condition. A report will be prepared for the information of the coroner. The reason I mention this is because there are a lot of travellers listening to this program who are making their way up or down the New South Wales coast at the moment and also in Queensland and out into the central west regions of our state of New South Wales in particular. Uh, just please, please drive to the conditions 
make sure you you rest as often as you can uh, because you don't want to be like this poor 71-year-old woman now in Port Macquarie Base Hospital who will no doubt have to recover with the knowledge that her 70-year-old husband has been killed while they were towing their caravan on the Oxley Highway near Warhope. Please, please take it easy. Uh, Pete, are you there, mate? Yeah. Morning to you, Pete. How are you, my friend? Uh, just to make a comment on what you've been saying this morning about Australia Day being a long weekend. Uh, Australia Day's on Tuesday, yes. I meant the Australia Day holiday. I'm, I'm so used to saying long weekend, Pete. Sorry about that. Yeah, the Anzac Day falls on a Sunday, but the Monday is not a holiday. Oh, well, it should be. It should <laughs> no, be, Pete. if you're in Western Australia, it will be. Mm, OK. I don't know why we don't have uniform holidays for big, important occasions and commemorations like, you know, Anzac Day, for instance. Yeah. Yep. You, can, you can blame the federal government for that, but making holidays only on the day they fall. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, mate. Uh, look, Australia Day, the public holiday this year, uh, is on Tuesday, January 26th. Okay, and yes, my apologies, I did say uh, Lawsy will be back after the Australia Day long weekend. It's after the Australia Day holiday, but I'm, I'm being told now it might not even be until early February. But of course, we'll let you know. Uh, Mike has sent me an email here, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, G'day, Marcus. Great show. A previous caller commented that Biden will now bring a steady hand, not like an erratic Trump. That's maybe true, but I think people should concentrate more upon the differences between the policies of the Republicans and the Democrats rather than just uh, whether or not they like either leader. I suggest that many people will wish that they had not voted for Biden when many of his socialist-like policies are rolled out. And I also believe that when the Democrats take office, then we will see a new McCarthyism whereby anyone identified as a Trump supporter will be discriminated against in employment, etc. Cheers, Mike. Uh, Mike's up there in Yamba. All right, Mike, thank you for your email. I appreciate your contribution to the show. You're in Yamba. Lucky man. Beautiful up there. Damo, good morning to you, Damien. Jingle and caller warning. G'day, Marcus. Great jingle. When a caller keeps repeating in this country, that phrase tends to be a signal. Okay. Well, I don't want to have a crack at my callers. You can if you want, Damien. You can call me, but I I won't be reading out emails and have a crack at the callers. But anyway, uh, enjoying the program while I work, but play some more music. All right, I'll I'll do that for you, Damo. I'll do it, okay? I'll I'll play another tune in just a few moments. Warren is there on the open line. G'day, Woz. G'day, Marcus. How you going, mate? Happy New Year. I'm well, thank you, my friend. Happy New Year to you too, mate, and a prosperous year to you and your family. Very much so. Very kind. Thank you. Hey, hey mate, I was just listening to the conversation or the comments you were making about caravanners, and, mm. and I, I, I agree 100%. Now, I'm a caravanner, and I'm also a truck driver, so a couple of things that I might point out there is when you're, following car- when you're following caravans, don't sit on their tail trying to push them along and make them go faster, because... That also does create some uh, incidences further down the road in relation to the, tra- the caravan 
getting out of control. And I've seen that a lot in the last uh, probably three or four weeks, and I think it should be uh, it should be spoken about. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, we should be listening more and more to people like you, truck drivers, people who spend you know the vast majority of their lives on our roads. I'm sure you've seen a few things that would make my skin crawl. Oh, well, I'll just give you some examples. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, car overtakes on double centre lines around the left-hand bend. Um, car come in the opposite direction. They both had to brake to, to miss each other. So did I. I had to get out of the way as well. Um, another example, a female driving down the Hume Highway, 110 kilometres an hour, knees on the steering wheel, texting while she's got three little kids in the back. Oh, uh, God. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't know why people do this. Like, if you were to... If you were to get a uh, play some ridiculous game of somebody that was going to be detrimental to their health, they wouldn't want to play it. They'd think you're a fool. But they get on the highway and they play these stupid, idiotic games. And, and, the, and the worst part about it is they get away with it for a short period of time. And then yeah. one day, one day when it comes undone, they affect everybody around them. And, and that's the that's the saddest part. But my comment is, and 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 my comment goes out to a lot of other fellow truck drivers out there. Get off the back of these people. Let them do their work. If they're holding you up and you're getting frustrated, just stop and go and walk around and do a quick tyre check or something and let them get out running a little bit because yeah. the, well the road, we've got way too many accidents on the road that needs to stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to the point I was making about this fellow the other day that was carrying on like a galar inside the McDonald's store because he had to sign in. I mean, I bet he wished he had his day all over again. He's going to have to live with this video for the rest of his life. And, you know, there are times when we think, gee, I'd love that day again. Uh, But sadly, mistakes cost people their lives. Don't be impatient. Uh, Try and do the right thing. And as you say, certainly don't tailgate these these caravanners. So you've got to understand that people driving caravans, a lot of those people are not seasoned drivers. They're no. just, they're just they're, they're grandparents, maybe their mums and dads. Yep. They're people who hook the van up for four weeks of the year and away they go and they think that they've got it all under control. But they really, your real training in driving happens when your vehicle potentially starts getting out of control. And that's yeah. when you've got to know what's going on. Absolutely. And, uh, well said, Warren. Yeah, so I, I, I just think that we could all just just give them a bit of room and and um, and just allow things to happen along safely rather than trying to force them along a bit faster. Great call, mate. I appreciate it. Thank you, Oz. Good on you, mate. See ya. All right. Speaking of truck drivers, I've got a, a text here. If you want to send me a text, you can. 0458 049 209. Anywhere from Australia, you can send that text. Uh, this one is from Darren in Narromine. Morning, Marcus. First day in my truck for the year. Tuned in and looking forward to your show. Love the work. Happy New Year to you and all the regular listeners. Cheers, mate. Darren from Narromine. Good on you, Darren. Hope you're having a good day and taking it nice and easy too. Uh, Tony Abbott is about to become a granddad. Former Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott will be a grandfather this year with his daughter Frances Locke announcing she's expecting her first child. Frances married former Olympic rower Sam Locke two years ago and has been living in Portland, Oregon. So the bub is on the way in the American summer of 2021, according to uh, Locke, who wrote on her Instagram post, 
So Tony Abbott, who served as Prime Minister of Australia from 2013 to 2015, who shares two other adult daughters, Bridget and Louise, with his wife, Margaret. I mean, they've got mum's looks, these girls. They are beautiful women. They really are. Tony Abbott's daughters. Anyway, aside from all of that, uh, and aside from politics, it'll be an exciting time. But I, I admire Tony Abbott. I don't mind the bloke. Uh, anyone who has put as much into his local community, I don't know, we've had cracks at him before, and I'm not a big fan necessarily of his politics. But Tony Abbott, what he's put into his community, fighting bushfires, being a, you know, a role model for other men, if you like, on the community front from all the extracurricular activities and work that he's done supporting his local community, well, you know, and I'm sure he and uh, his wife, Margie, will be over the moon at the prospect of the new grandchild arriving a little later this year. So congratulations to everybody. Hey, yeah, I'm Marcus. All right, Roscoe, what's on your mind? Yeah, I haven't talked to you for a long time. Um, oh, just the election, I just turned on the radio, I haven't heard all your program. I was wondering... Um, has anyone, ever, has anyone so far talked about uh, the possibility of Joe Biden not being sworn in to the presidency? I beg your pardon. Has anybody talked about the prospect of him not being sworn in, but he will be? Um, well, let me tell you this, Rodeo. I can't believe how far behind everyone in Australia, hardly anyone. I know people would know about it, but like, American intelligence, the American um, forces intelligence, they've arrested the guy. They've got all the evidence under the sun now that you saw, everyone's talking about they haven't got. They've arrested the Italian Prime Minister. Oh, that's, I'll get to that in a minute why he's been arrested. And also, the guy who actually pressed the buttons and changed all the votes is singing like a bird for... Um, so, so he'll be, he's cutting the deal and he's telling everyone exactly all right, what happened. This is, all, this is all your opinion, though. Where, where do you get this information from? It's, yeah, well, it's my, my opinion, let me say this. It's all my opinion, but it's as good as all your opinion of what's saying that he's a definite to get signed in. Well, right? he is a definite, so hang saying, on, he is a definite to get signed in because Congress, no, Congress has inaugurated his election win. Um, Nate. Um, hear me out, like. Ah, oh, go away! I'm sick to death of these bloody conspiracy theorists. Really, go away, mate. Honestly, I'm sorry. I'm all for freedom of speech and all this sort of stuff, but I, I really haven't got the patience for that rubbish this morning. Honestly, no. United States politics aside for a moment. I mean, half the people that carry on about the U.S election wouldn't have a clue who their local MP is, for goodness sake. So just calm the farm for a moment. This is something that you should be absolutely and utterly pissed off about. New government data reveals 103 reportable assaults occur in our country's nursing homes each and every week. Between January and September last year, there were, are you ready for it, 4,034 cases of physical and sexual abuse notified to the Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission. Now, that's something to scream about. That's something to get cranky about. That's something to call the open line about, 131269. 
Not whether or not Twitter has, I don't know, dumped Donald Trump. Who cares? This is something that's far more important. It's a domestic issue at home. And I'm worried about it. I don't know about you. I mean, what the hell is the aged care watchdog doing? The coronavirus pandemic has exposed the frailty of our aged care sector and the need for drastic change to ensure the safety of most vulnerable in our community. The virus has thrust the sector into the spotlight and subsequently revealed a startling number of abuse incidents took place in aged care facilities. I'll let you know the numbers again. The Aged Care Quality and Safety Commission were notified of 4,034 cases of physical and sexual abuse between January and September of last year. 103 a week. The type of abuse included both physical and sexual abuse. I mean, it's beyond the pale and again, something that we should be taking to the streets about. Aged care providers are required to report what's called a serious incident, which currently only relates to unlawful sexual contact and unreasonable use of force. But as we know, there are many more forms of violence that elderly people do encounter. Now, new laws set to be debated in federal parliament next month. They should be debating them today, but anyway. They will extend the definition of serious incidents to include yelling at residents, stealing or leaving wounds untreated. The laws will establish a new serious incident response scheme, which will empower the Aged Care Safety Commission to issue fines of up to $111,000 to managers or staff who bully whistleblowers. Now, there should be no reason at all why these new laws are not passed. The treatment of elderly people in some of these homes is beyond disgusting. What type of deranged moron thinks it's okay to steal from, to neglect or sexually assault a resident in an aged care facility? It's about time we ensure aged care facilities take proper care of the people who have made this country. People who've worked most of their lives, paid taxes, helped build and fund and build the infrastructure that you and I enjoy each and every day. So this is something that we should be jumping up and down about rather than whether or not Donald Trump should even be impeached or whatever else is going on in the United States. This is a major issue, a domestic concern that we should be focusing on here in Australia. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. All right, uh, on the email, Craig says, Marcus, good morning, mate. You say you're all for free speech, but then you cut someone off trying to give you free speech. He might be a loony, but we should still listen to what he had to say. If you're going to do this all the time, Marcus, you'll lose people. I won't listen if you're going to do that all the time. Well, I don't do it all the time, Craig. Uh, I don't. I don't cut people off all the time just when they're carrying on with absolute nonsense. And I think we've had enough of the Trump conspiracy theories, have we not? Um, I'm sorry, but I just wanted to move on from it. Craig, I don't do it all the time. I know some people criticise me for it, but I don't know. I just run the show the way I run it. Hello, Maureen. How are you? Oh, hello. I didn't expect to be so quick because that... Um, I want to speak about Mirage Homes. Yes. I've got a lot of... Um, experience of them. My daughter had dementia, frontal lobe dementia, and she was in a nursing home 
mm. for the last 18 months. Well, and um, she was uh, had uh, got a broken arm. Oh dear! Big black eye, the worst black eye I've ever seen. Pushed through a wall, found men in her bed, bruises all over her. Um, was any of this washed. reported, Maureen? Was any of oh, this yeah, reported? Yeah, now? I've I've got in touch with the um, Royal Commission, and they told me to get counselling. What they told you to get counselling, okay? Yeah. that's that's okay for you. But yeah, what about yeah, some, yeah. what about some anyway, justice for your for your uh, daughter? Uh, well, she was dead when I reported it to the. Um, oh, she died, but still, and still. I mean, Sorry, the only, say that again? Oh, I said still, the only way we're going to stop this behaviour is if the people who engaged in it in the first place, the people who allegedly abused, and I believe you, the people who abused oh, yeah. your mother, they should be sanctioned for this behaviour, uh, fined, yeah. and learn a lesson from it. Uh, for the Aged Care Royal Commission to simply turn around and tell you to get counselling, well, that's fine. Okay, yeah. great. But that doesn't solve the problem of abuse, as I mentioned. 131 incidents a day is what they... Yeah, but since then, Marcus, yeah. my husband got very ill and he had to go in a nursing home. And straight after, I broke the whole of one side of my body oh, and then I had to go into hospital while my um, body repaired. Yeah. And um, it was awful with weight... Uh, one night we waited oh, three hours to go to the toilet because I couldn't go on my own. My husband couldn't. and, and But it was always um, never less than half an hour. And um, the food was, oh, I can't describe it. It's so bad. And then I um, came home. Yeah. Broke my other leg, oh, for God's sake. and I'm in a remission. I'm in remission now in a home. The girls are fantastic. Good, good. I'm glad they you're being hard. cared for now. Yes. Yeah, they work hard. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here yeah. because the food is disgusting, <laughs> and I mean disgusting. And it, they're well known. Um, it's a very well known um, home. Yep. And they've got a bad name anyway. Well, and see, unfortunately, Maureen, I, I, I'll be honest, and I hate to tar everybody with the same brush, and I'm sorry yeah. that you've been through what you've been through. And uh, hell. Have, hell. A, have a much better 2021, please. And uh, look, what's wrong here in Australia with our aged care industry? Does it need a complete and utter overhaul? Uh, I've spoken at length to the opposition, Anthony Albanese and others about this. Not much Albo can do or not much anybody in federal Labor can do. Have we been let down by our government or previous governments over the last decade? I argue we have, so everybody's to blame. We need to be doing a hell of a lot better than seeing these awful stats of, on average, 130 assaults against aged people in care homes each and every day around our country. If you feel you got something to say
The John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy back after the Australian Day public holiday. I'll get to callers in just a moment. Uh, right now, though, I've got some breaking news. Uh, the Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, has confirmed that in New South Wales there are five new local cases of COVID-19 from some 14,700 tests. The Premier says testing rates need to go up. Five new local cases of COVID-19 in New South Wales from 14,700 tests. All right, Marilyn, are you there? Yes, good morning, Marcus, and a happy new year to you. You too, sweetheart. Thank you. Yeah, Marcus, I'm calling on behalf of the elderly in our communities. Yeah. I've been a um, an aged care nurse for some time. I'm now retired, but I, it just sickens me to the core to hear about the abuse of our beautiful aged people. Um, everything starts from a solid foundation. Our houses, our country, yes. and our aged care facilities, our hospitals. If you have a solid foundation of the people who want to work in aged care, the people who want to be the bosses of aged care have to have a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. Some aged care facilities have people who are there that just want to rake in the dollars. So our poor, vulnerable people who are our beautiful, beautiful mums, grandmothers, great-great-grandmothers, whoever. And fathers. They, I beg your pardon. No, that's okay. And, and grandfathers as well. Yes. Or, or dads. Now, you know, I do get very, very sad to think that these people that we say in quotation marks, we're going to nurse and love, are in such a situation, they're like a little baby. They can't speak out for themselves. So the people who choose to go into these facilities to, not in my case, but in quotation marks, look and look after and care for them, yep. abuse these people because they can't be seen. There's no cameras in the room. They can't be heard because the door's shut. And abuse these beautiful people, I just... I don't know. It words fail me. I, I don't know. We how need to, to get it. better at managing these facilities. We need to ensure that they're run for people rather yes. than for profit. The whole yes. aged care system needs a complete and utter shake up. If this is not a wake up call, I don't know what it'll be, Marilyn. No. I mean, the, the exactly. stats are there. The statistics Ex- are yes. horrific. On yes. average, one hundred and thirty-one elderly Australians are abused in our aged care sector each and every day. Yeah, Yeah. well, the beautiful aged care facility that I worked at had a line of people waiting for at least 10 years. And it was because of our our matron, our our nurse who was in that facility and loved her residents. In the aged care facility, the aged care residents that are in there are called residents. They're not called patients. 
they're called residence because that is their chosen place to live for their rest of their life. They've chose to live there. Their, their children chose to put them there or, you know, they had a choice to, to go and see where they're going to be comfortable for the end of their time. And they're not they're not patients. Patients are in hospitals. No, well said. Residents are in aged care facilities. And they should be treated with the utmost care and respect. Yes. And, and Marcus... The people who are caring for them, the nurses, the whoever's there, the voluntary people, they need to be scrutinised. They need to be um, um, put into a situation where they're going to be um, having to ask questions in a little meeting or something at the end of a few weeks. How are you going? What do you think needs to be done? Is yes. there anything else that your residents that you are seeing? Can you see anything that's going wrong? Or you know, I've got a uh, Marcus, here. I yes. could go on forever I know, because Marilyn. I love my age. I love my age people, yeah. and I just know that a lot of them need a voice, and a lot of them haven't got voices. Yep. Look, I've got a note here, and thank you so much, sweetheart, for your call. Uh, Barbara says, like nursing aged care was a passion for some. Then Work for the Dole came in, and people were forced into aged care or lose their payments. I worked for 12 years in aged care and was forced to leave due to my whistleblowing. Due to the lack of compassion, not all, but you will find most have to work in the industry, whereas once it was something you would like to do. So in other words, what Barbara's saying here on the email, MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com, Barbara is saying essentially people have been forced into jobs they really haven't got their heart you know, uh, in. And you, you need to be. It takes a very special kind of person to nurse the frail and the elderly. It does. It takes a person with a heart of gold. It takes somebody who is selfless, somebody who puts others before themselves, always. That's what it takes to be a very good aged care, uh, or carer, if you like, for want of a better word. It's just very sad that, unfortunately, in this day, uh, we're not doing it well enough here in Australia. The stats sadly speak for themselves. As I mentioned over 4,000 incidents in aged care facilities last year alone and 131 reported uh, incidents of either physical or sexual abuse within our aged care sector each and every day of last year. It is simply not good enough. Bob, good morning. How are you? Good morning, mate. How are you? All right. Thank you, Bob. Bit muggy out here today. Where are you, buddy? I'm out near the new airport, mate. Oh, out there in Badgerys Creek? Uh, Ludnam. Ludnam, Badgerys. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> yes, mate. Out that way. <laughs> I know it well. What did you want to say, buddy? Hey, mate, look. We have all these politicians running around, and um, they all, 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 all believe in their gods. They all believe in their faith and everything. I have no, no 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 problems with that, but my point here is that the fraud and the fakeness of them, mate, by allowing the aged care facilities to get into the state they are for the sake of a dollar. 
Yeah, uh, look, unfortunately... Uh, Aged there's, care no facilities. there's no godliness no. there, mate, at all. No, unfortunately, aged care facilities these days are run mostly for profit. Uh, we've got uh, seniors, those most vulnerable, being uh, expected to, you know, eat off six or seven dollars meals. I understand, Marcus. I understand all that, mate. Yeah. My point here is the fakeness and the fraud of our politicians. Well, yes. I mean, you can't say you're a Christian and go to hand-waving church and say you love and respect everybody when you're overseeing a government that's allowing these kind of statistics uh, to rear their ugly heads each and every day. Uh, I mean, 131 people in aged care facilities across our country are being abused either physically or sexually. We need to put a stop to it. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. Thirteen twelve sixty nine, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. Uh, g'day, Luke. How are you, Luke? Hey, Marcus. Enjoying the show. Um, Thank you. Just very interesting. It takes a special type of person um, to work in the old age homes and in the hospitals, the nurses and the doctors and the cleaners, mm. a whole lot of people who care for others. And, uh, you know, it's something we can all aim for, but look at those... They present us with a really good example you know um they'll care for people no matter what the color of their skin no matter how old or young they are no matter how cantankerous they might become you know and uh that's a real talent that um i haven't got i really wish i had more of that absolutely it takes a very special person as i mentioned before someone who's selfless who puts others above themselves uh yeah, you, the old, you the know old christian thing even love your enemies you know like this is love is the key factor but I've got a bit of love. I, I really hope that our acting Prime Ministers and our acting Premier, I'm talking about Barilaro, John Barilaro and yes. Michael McCormack, mm-hmm. I don't think they're up to scratch and they shouldn't be anywhere near the position of leadership in our country um, because they've got problems of their own that they need to sort out with. And um, Mick McCormack used to be the editor of the Daily Advertiser in Wagga Wagga. Right. And he wrote some pretty heavy-duty letters there, if you're really interested in what he was thinking back then. Sure. And, and published it regarding mm. gays and black people. And um, look, he said that he disowned that, that time of his life. But I'd really look back, and I think it was in 2019, a uh, funny little pub called the Black Swan Hotel in North Wagga Wagga. I'd like to know whether he knows the um, proprietor there or he said he'd been there himself. Because they did a big blackface thing. All right, well, look, I don't... That's on my memory. All right, I don't want to really get into that uh, because you're throwing around a a fair few allegations that I haven't substantiated at this point. But, look, I understand what you're saying. Uh, All I would say about the acting Prime Minister at the moment, Michael McCormick, is this. Michael, you've got the stats that are out today in this report on aged care. Forgets commenting on whether or not Trump should be silenced by Twitter. It's way out of your league, mate. How about you return your focus to what's happening in aged care facilities around Australia? You want to show you are some kind of leader? Deal with this report today rather than necessarily going down the path you're heading because you're being criticised. I heard in our news not long ago, you're being criticised from every quarter regarding your comments about freedom of speech and Donald Trump and Twitter and all this rubbish. Enough. Enough. Come back to earth. Come back home. Come back to the reality of what is a despicable report today into the aged care sector here in Australia. 131 vulnerable Australians 
are being sexually or physically assaulted in our nursing homes each and every day in this country. So acting PM Michael McCormick, that is something your focus should be on 100% today rather than any other commentary about something that's happening 15,000 k's away. All right, Bill, good morning. How are you? All right, thanks. How are you this morning? Well, thank you, Bill. What's on your mind, buddy? Look, the nursing homes, hospitals, they're all tarred with the one brush. I was, I've been in hospitals for extensive periods of up to three months with um, a very bad sickness and this sort of thing, and the nurses are just run off their feet. And yet you see people walking around looking, saying, oh, we can cut that nurse out at this time, we can cut that cleaner out and this sort of thing. Nine years ago, I was in John Hunter, and I was bedridden, and when I got out, finally got into a wet chair to have a shower, I was wheeled into, John Hunter, into the shower room, and the shower started filling up. I looked down, there's verdigris grease and rubbish all over the, oh, the floor waste, and I got a plastic chair, wheeled myself over, grabbed a plastic chair and dragged a leg over it so that it run away. I looked, all the corners are filled up with hair and rubbish. Yep. When we came to clean the rooms, the, one of the other fellows in the ward, there's four in the ward, said, when do they wash the floors around here? Oh, occupational health and safety, we're not allowed to wash them. They came in with a mop, uh, this big wide system mop, sprayed some stuff on it, in, round and out, and then we had a minute and a half, and that yeah. was the room clean. They're cutting all these people, the essential ones, yep. and sitting in their offices and looking and saying, oh, yes, we can cut this one, we can cut well, that that's one. Right. But you never hear of them being cut. And no. they're the ones that need to be shape up and get the people back into the fa- coal face, so to speak, doing the jobs to help us, the people, not them as parasites. Well, fair enough. Uh, the bean counters, as you... Look, it comes back to my original point. Unfortunately, the aged care sector in Australia right now is being run for profit. It's not being run for people. Until we have somebody in government with enough balls to turn this ship around, then unfortunately we're going to see horrific statistics like we've seen today. So, I don't know, where do we go? The Aged Care Royal Commission has made recommendations. We've heard the horrific stories. We're hearing them this morning on this program And the results are there. What have we learnt? Absolutely nothing. How much money was spent on this Aged Care Royal Commission? Tens of millions of dollars, no doubt. What is going to change? Uh, Gail is on the open line. Morning to you, Gail. How are you? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Gail. I might lose you because I'm actually travelling along the highway. I'm up. I'm, I'm on my way to Tamworth and I'm just coming into Grafton now, so I might lose you on the Let's give it a go anyway. What did you want to say, yeah. sweetheart? I just wanted to say that uh, my mother's got dementia. She's 90 oh, and yeah. she currently lives at home. And her service provider are fairly good, but they do work for profit as well. And I know that because of the receipts that my mother receives, the invoices each month. Yeah. But what I, wanted, what I wanted to say, and I don't mean anything critical by this, but a lot of young women joined... The, um, the chair providing society, for want of a better word, that could be between 18 and 22 low socioeconomic areas where they can't find employment. So they do their Cert 3 in aged care and yep. then a provider employs them. 
Now, my mother's been under this same provider for five years, and I can count on my hands and my feet how many young women have come and gone who have attempted to care for my mother without really having the care approach. Well, that's right, and, and that's unfortunate. We seem to have attracted a lot of people into this industry who, uh, for want of a better word, aren't really qualified. Uh, thank you for that, and I know how easy it is, uh, with respect, and I'm not tarring them all with the same brush, but it's pretty easy, as you say, to get a certificate that enables you to care for elderly and frail Australians, whether your heart's in it or whether you're just doing it to make ends meet. Well, I would argue... And I know how difficult it is, I get it. It's not, you know, we don't have money trees growing all over the place. But I would argue we should be paying these people more money, uh, encouraging more and more people into the sector who actually give a damn, who actually are there not because they want to make ends meet and pay their bills, but are there because they care about people. They want to make a career and a profession out of nursing elderly and frail Australians. Anyway, I need to leave it there for just a moment because uh, I've got this breaking news. Just a second. I'll come back to those calls in just a couple of moments. Meantime, New South Wales has recorded five new locally acquired cases of COVID-19 in the 24 hours to 8 o'clock last night. 11 cases were also recorded in return travellers, bringing the total number of COVID-19 cases in New South Wales since the beginning of the pandemic to 4,845. There were 14,738 tests reported to 8pm last night, compared with the previous day's total of 18,570. That's down. That's why the Premier says we need to up the ante on testing. New South Wales Health is concerned with the falling test numbers in recent days and is urging anyone feeling uh, flu-like, if you like, to get tested and then remain at home until a negative result is received. Of the five locally acquired cases to 8 o'clock last night, one case is linked to the Barala cluster and is a close contact of a previously reported case. There are now 27 cases associated with Barala or Barala. That's in Sydney, of course. Two cases from the Northern Beaches are household contacts of each other. The source of their infections is under investigation, and that is a concern. One is a case first reported yesterday morning who presented to Mount Druid Emergency Department on Saturday, resulting in the uh, department, or the emergency department at Mount Druid Hospital being shut down. Uh, The investigation into the source of their infections is ongoing. Now, New South Wales Health is treating 118 COVID-19 cases right now, one of whom is in intensive care. Most cases, that's 98%, are being treated in non-acute out-of-hospital care, including return travellers in the special health accommodation. They're in quarantine. All right, that's the latest from New South Wales Health. This poem is written by Esther Mary Walker, and it's called Blessed in Ageing. Blessed are they who understand my faltering step and shaking hand. Blessed who know my ears today must strain to hear the things they say. Blessed are those who seem to know my eyes are dim and my mind is slow. 
Blessed are those who look away when I spill tea that weary day. Blessed are they who with cheery smile stop to chat for a little while. Blessed are they who know the way to bring back memories of yesterday. Blessed are those who never say, you've told me that story twice today. And blessed are those who make it known that I am loved, respected and not alone. And blessed are they who will ease the days of my journey home in loving ways. Yep, see, these are the things we should be jumping up and down about and calling the open line on 13 12 69 about. Not something happening in America at the moment. But the, uh, the treatments of elderly Australians here in our own backyard. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really sorry to have to bring that news to you today. But 131 of our most vulnerable, precious Australians are being either sexually or physically assaulted in nursing homes each and every day, according to a new report that's out today. It's not good enough. These are the things we should be shouting about and screaming about and telling our politicians we've had a gutful of. Mary, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yes, Mary. I just wanted to say one thing about aged care, because I've recently... um, Resigned from a position with an aged care facility. Um, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Most of the staff haven't even got a Cert 3, and they're all visa people. So you tell me, why aren't we growing our own? Why aren't we paying staff what they're worth? They're not even in line with New South Wales Health Nurses Association Award, for God's sake, you know. Well, it's the problem is... hard Yep. The problem yep. is, Mary... Um, the sector is broken. The model is ridiculous. Uh, the model it's which all allows about money. well, that's it's it. About money. Say and that again people... for me. Say that again in really in a really it's loud all voice. About money. They get look. These people have worked all their lives and paid taxes. Why do they have to give up their house or pay exorbitant fees? It's bloody wrong. It's disgusting. And these companies that do it. Um, they say they're not for profit, but I tell you what, the equipment is lacking, substandard, and it's disgusting. I would never work in it again. I'm sorry uh, that you. Well, look, I'm not sorry that you've rung to tell us that, but I'm sorry that you're so disappointed in obviously something that you were so passionate about that you, you're no. now so despondent and angry mm-hmm. about and disappointed yeah. with. Yeah, it's terrible. It Absolutely is. terrible. Okay, Mary. Thank you, sweetie. You have a good day. Bye bye. And that's it. I mean, that's what it does. It makes people extremely emotional because we're dealing with mums, dads, grandparents, great grandparents who are in these facilities. Norm, good morning, mate. Good morning. How are you? Okay. I must congratulate you on opening up the can of worms. Uh, My wife was assaulted in November. And it was broadcast on Channel 9 today, tonight. If you'd like to give me your um, address for the email, I'll flick it on to you and you can have a look at all the bruising. My wife is still in the hospital. I'm sorry to hear that, Norm. So if, you, if you're comfortable, can you tell us the story of what happened to your, your... What's your wife's name? Jennifer. What happened to Jennifer? 
Well, I've got to be careful, you know, that I don't mention this because I've also got the um, complaints department for the government. All right. So what? On the board let, too. let me rephrase it. What allegedly happened to your wife Jennifer? Don't say where she was. Yep. Just tell me in a roundabout way the allegation. Well, I I took her to this particular home on a Thursday, and uh, on the Friday I went up and had lunch with her, and then I got a phone call at full. 4pm in the afternoon to say she's in an ambulance going to the hospital so I showed up to the hospital and um, and waited for the ambulance to bring her in. She was covered in bruises, her wrists had been, have got bruises and her ankles obviously they've restrained her and um, covered in bruise, bruises. If you go on on uh, Today, tonight, Channel Nine. We'll get the uh, we'll get the story. I'll put you back. I'll put you back. And look, Norm, I'm uh, just hang on there. Uh, Zen, if we can get uh, an email address, please to Norm, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Uh, out there in the fortress, get an email address, and I'll get Norm to send that story to me, uh, and we'll have a look. Norm, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that your wife was assaulted in an aged care facility. And I'm sorry that she's still recovering from it. Just an awful story. It really is. Penny, good morning. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. But but the thing is, 20-odd years... Can you hear me? I can hear you, sweetheart. Off oh, you God. go. Yep. 20-odd years ago, I had to put my mother in a nursing home. Yes. Because I was a widow, a new widow, two teenage boys. I was at Ooh. work all the time. I couldn't take care of her at home. I understand. But first of all, her makeup all disappeared. And then um, the other personal things that she had disappeared. Uh, I bought her a sheepskin rug for her to sit on because yep. she was getting bed sores. So they let her wet it and wet it and wet it and wet it. And when she's finished with it, they rolled it up into a bag and put it in a plastic bag and put it in the in the cupboard. Oh. And I didn't I didn't find it for three weeks or something. And oh. the smell in that room was awful. By then, it but, needs to be thrown out. Goodness well, of course, but, yeah. but the point is, this taught me, I'm 88 now, and, and fortunately I'm still co- coherent, and mm. I do all my own shopping and cleaning and all that sort of thing, but I've said to everybody around me, do not put me in a nursing home, let me die somewhere other than a nursing home, I will not go into a nursing home. Well, that's awful. Uh, that's... No, well, that's all I wanted to say, you know. Yeah, I mean, okay. I can't be the only one that thinks this way. No, I know uh, you wouldn't You wouldn't be. And no. isn't it terrible, isn't it terrible that in this day and age, in a country that's so rich with resources, a country that's apparently so well off in comparison to other nations around the world, that I have uh, 88-year-old women like Penny ringing me, telling me that she is terrified of going into a nursing home. Elderly Australians shouldn't be terrified at all about going into nursing home facilities. It should be something that I don't want to say they look forward to, but it should be something they're not terrified of. We need to be doing a hell of a lot better. Margaret, are you there? Margaret, hello. Hello. Hey, Margaret. You're with Marcus. How are you? You're on the air, oh, darling. Marcus, I've just been talking to the other chap. That's okay. Uh, yes, I'm here, Marcus. No, okay. Just turn... All right, what we'll do, Margaret's uh, got the radio on in the background. Margaret, sweetheart, if we could just turn that radio down, I'll give you a couple of seconds to do it. Uh, otherwise, we'll be having a very strange conversation. <laughs> You'll be repeating things. All right, have you done that for me, Marg? You back now? 
Here she comes. Here she comes. Back I to the I off, Margaret. <laughs> Good girl. All right. What did you Sorry about to... that. No, um, no problem. Yes, I was just telling the gentleman that I was speaking to that my, day, my experience went back to the 1960s. Yes. And it was dreadful in those days. And I don't know whether you want me to repeat what I told him. No, please. Um, you if want people, me to? If people need to hear it, then All right, you please I tell shall, us. because nothing's changed. Oh, dear. Um, my mother was admitted to a... It was a government-owned one in those days, or government-run, and it was appalling. She was there for three years, suffered I don't know how many breaks before anyone woke up to the fact, but I did eventually. And I rescued her, literally. They wouldn't let me take her. But I went up, I took someone with me, and we just packed up and actually kidnapped her. Good. And uh, we took her to a Catholic nursing home who were absolutely marvellous. I'll never forget them. And that's where she spent the rest of her days. And I'm upset now, I really am, when I think about it. What that darling went through, she was sexually assaulted. She was... Two wrists were broken. Oh, there was numerous bruises. It was a dreadful thing. And I complained to the uh, health department of those days and nothing ever came out of it. So, and it's still going on today. I just cannot believe it. And I go to a nursing home where I live. I won't mention names. Please don't. And... um, I find they are better, and I will say that they're pretty well run, but there are two or three things that they're lacking. Experienced staff. Yep. Um, they're owned by what I call multimillionaires. Of course they are, who run the joints for profit. Yeah, and it's a profit thing. Yeah, of and course And you get the... And the food's not always really good, but where, the, where I go, I can say it's really passable. Well, look, I don't want to. I've got to be very careful as well, and you will understand this, Margaret. And I'm, I'm, I'm desperately sorry to hear that your mother went through that during the sixties. Oh, I really dreadful. am, sweetheart. Yes, and I don't want to see anybody else no, go through this. It none of must us be do. heartbreaking for them. None of us do. All right. Guilt stays with you for the rest of your life, you know. Well, it's not your fault, Margaret. Please don't ever feel guilty about that. It's not your fault. You're not responsible for the way others have treated your mother. Okay, so please. Promise me you Thank won't you feel that. I, I know, I've, I've been told that. But, see, because of my age, I'm looking at going in there, I suppose, sooner or later because I've got no one to look after me. Yeah. Uh, so that's where I'll end my days, unless I can get help from home, you know, which hopefully I will. Home care? Well, yep. yes, and exactly. there's a list on and, and <laughs> hopefully list I, that too. <laughs> I, I, uh, what I call kick the bucket uh, during <laughs> the night. <laughs> Margaret, you won't be doing that because I think you've got many happy and healthy years ahead of you and thank you so much for your call, And thank you, Marcus, for taking this on. It needs to be done. And, uh, look, whatever you do, uh, try and keep it going because... It always dies away. People forget again, you know. No, well, it's one of my passions, and uh, mm. I, I just want—I wanted to get off some of the uh, tangents we were on, with worrying ourselves about something happening in America. And I have to tell you, uh, I think we've got greater issues like the one we've dealt with in the last hour happening right under our noses, and that's something our government should be focused on. Uh, the acting uh, deputy, whatever the hell he is, Prime Minister Michael McCormick—that should be your focus, boss. That should be your focus at the moment. This report into the aged care sector. You should be fronting the media today, not mentioning anything about, you know, Donald Trump or Twitter. 
But how desperately sorry you are to hear that this is still going on and make a pledge to the Australian people that when ScoMo returns and you can speak to, you know, your constituents and uh, your fellow members of Parliament going forward, that you make this a priority. Make it a priority. Everything else is just a distraction. OK, quick break and we're back uh, to talk to you on 1312. the last 15 minutes or so of the program, I see that Sydney siders are splashing their overseas holiday savings on, what? New boats and taking to the harbour in an armada of inexperienced <laughs> skippers worrying maritime safety guardians. So essentially breaking it down, people are buying boats and they don't know how to sail them. In the past eight months, 52% of Uh, 52% more boat licences have been issued in New South Wales and 26% more private vessels registered than the same period last year. The water is apparently also awash with novice jet ski riders with more than twice as many new personal watercraft licences issued late last year. There we go. So, look... If you are heading out onto the waterway, you got yourself a shiny new toy and because you couldn't couldn't get to Paris this year, make sure you know what you're doing. It's very risky out there on the water if you're inexperienced. Let's go back to the open line. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Bill, good morning. How are you? Ah, Bill's not with us. Dave, are you there, mate? Yeah, good day, Marcus. How are you? Hello, Dave. I'm okay, buddy. What's on your mind? Uh, a couple of things, mate, if you've got a bit of time. Uh, of first, first of all, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first bloke to respect anyone's opinion, belief and thoughts, but I find quite ironic people emailing and calling, trying to bait you to bag other radio announcers' opinions on the same network. It, it just doesn't wash with me, mate, to be honest. I mean, that's what makes the world go around. Basically, if we're all the same, it'd be a pretty boring world. But... um. Well, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. And again, just because I mightn't have the same opinion as, say, a Dean Mackin or a Graham Gilbert or even a John Laws, it doesn't mean I want to have a go at them for it because, again, we're a broad church and I think uh, that's what makes the 2SM Super Radio Network so good. You can tune into different people and hear different opinions. I mean, God, imagine, imagine we were all beige, all thought the same way. That's it, mate. But I mean, people are ringing, ringing up an email and having opinions on other people's opinions. It's, it's a bit ironic, really. Well, but anyway, all, it's all, all good. All, it's all, what we do, mate. All we're, at, done, we're, mate. we're after uh, we're after reactions from people. That's the Absolutely. that's the business. So let's yeah, let's talk. All right, mate. What else yeah. did you want to say? Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, Marcus. Um, I've got a mid mid ninety mother-in-law. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, due to dementia and the um, ACAT team, which is aged care assessment team, who yes. once you have some sort of fall or accident, they come in and assess your premises and basically dictate that you can or can't live there or what, what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes it's pretty harsh, but I mean, I guess that's the nature of the beast. But well, it's all in the best interest, you would hope, of the person who's being cared for. It's, it's tough. You, you would certainly think so, wouldn't you? But um, oh, yes. I mean... At the end of the day, I mean, we had to make the choice of putting the old mother-in-law in a nursing home, which she'd resided in her own property, which she'd owned for 40 years. So we actually went around to, say, about seven nursing homes. Ultimately, we made the decision to put her in one base up here in the Newcastle area. And you're happy with it? Well, mate, that's the thing. Initially, we were very impressed. Great nursing home, walked in, staff were great, everything. So obviously, she's still there today. And when I go to visit her, I've noticed in the five years the rapid decline in, particularly the big one for me, Marcus, is the morale of the staff. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't know how come the staff, most of them are great people, do a great job. But the morale and um, just, just the general demeanour of people is just absolutely atrocious. And what, what I've noticed particularly is there's a revolving door of managers and I'm not a businessman by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I've got a fair idea on how businesses run. And it's all about cost-cutting. It's all about budgetary constraints. And it's just, yeah, I mean, the nursing home, obviously they make money off entry fees for most of the um, residents. Yeah, not all. Let me put this. But, put you this. Uh, yep. Just let me make this point because uh, I've got a lot mm-hmm. of other callers to get to. I'm going to try and get through as many as I can. Now, yep. if we were to have 131 patients, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about in nursing homes, but if we were to have 131 patients in Australian hospitals each yep. and every day, either physically or sexually assaulted, they'd be held to pay. Why is it the fact that it's in private enterprise and it's in the nursing home sector that there's no outrage over this? Well, there bloody well should be. Oh, there should be, Marcus, and and hopefully somebody, you know, you've brought the issue to the fore, which is Mm. great. I'll give you a lot of um, admiration for that. But hopefully somebody's going to listen to this, me, you, and everyone else talking about it, and someone's going to pull their head out of their backside, and they're going to have a bloody game, mate, and they're going to say, what's going on? All right, thanks for your program, mate. Appreciate it. Well said. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much. Thank you. Look, I've got a stack of emails on this. It's obviously an issue that uh, has struck a chord this morning. I may not get to all of the callers, and I certainly won't get through any more of these emails, but I will tomorrow, okay? Uh, so uh, for those that regularly listen to the program, I will read your email out, Mark and Ken and Andrew and, and plenty of others that have tried to get through to us. I'll read it out, but most likely tomorrow. Richard, are you there, mate? Yeah, Marcus, I'm here. Thank you, my friend. What did you want to talk about? Yeah, first of all, you, you you have a good show there. Thank you very much for that. No, well, thank you for listening. Yep. Yeah, the mobile speed cameras, uh, I believe the government has outsourced them to the private sector. Mobile speed cameras. Let me check on that. I don't want to make a comment uh, that's, uh, that's incorrect on this. Uh, maybe they have, certainly when, when it comes to the installation of them. Yes. Um, post- yeah, look, yes, you're right. 
the installation of mobile speed cameras are certainly a uh, belong to a third party. That is another, and I don't know who it is. I'll, I'll do a bit of work on it. But yes, uh, they are outsourced, as unfortunately are a number of governments. Uh, I don't want to say products. Services, God, what would you call it? Mobile speed cameras. I mean, they're revenue raisers. It's what they are. Yep, yep. They surely, uh, I quite agree, and and it's quite nice to have them. I mean, people slow down and so forth. But what I wanted to ask is, who actually calibrates and audits this speed cameras? How do we know it's accurate? You know. So well, you'd hope you'd hope that they are under regulations. I mean, the calibration of speed cameras need to be set within a, a certain uh, uh, percentage rate uh, to allow for uh, a margin of error. Look, right. I yeah, professionals have the guidelines put in place. Who polices, which is probably the best way of putting it, who ensures that the standards are maintained? Well, that's a very good question. I appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for the call, Ivana. Are you there? Ivana. Yes, hello, sorry. That's all right, Ivana. I couldn't hear because my it's phone... It's okay. On, off you go, please. I just wanted to say something about the nursing home and other uh, you know, hospitals, whatever. Yes, we I had a very bad experience myself in 2002 when I lost my mother. Oh, I'm yeah. still grieving today. I have talked about this, but nobody has ever listened. So... To hear this about nursing homes and mm. hospitals and all that, it's nothing new. It's been there forever. I was a nurse myself. There's one thing I'll say. It's called TLC, Tender Loving Care. If you don't have that, you're not a bloody nurse. All right. Well said, Ivana. Michael uh, and Anthony waiting online. Anthony, we'll go to you first. You there, mate? Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, my wife works in an aged care facility. Just before you go on, just before you, I want to be very clear that my conversations this morning, I don't want to have a crack at people that work in aged care. Uh, I don't ever want to tar people with the same brush. We know that there are unfortunate incidents that happen in every industry. Uh, and, right. and there are a number of wonderful, beautiful, caring people that work in the aged care sector. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I don't want to bag places either, but sometimes... We've got to put the broom through the big, bigger facilities and really see what the staff there are like. And, yes, uh, my wife's been in the industry for 25 years. Yeah. She does a permanent night shift. Mm-hmm. And the, all the uh, patients there, they all love her. The other girls that work with her, there's only three on of a night time, and they all... They all get on really well with her, with their patients. Their patients all, and the families, they all get on well with them too. You've hit a really good point here. When you say families, look, unfortunately, there are some people in nursing home and other facilities who don't have a support network behind them. They don't have family. So, for instance, if you're visiting somebody in a nursing home, whether it's mum, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever, you can yes. you can see how they're going. You can monitor how they're going, and if there's a, an issue or you see something not quite right, you'll say something, and if it gets really bad, you'll probably pull them out. Yes. I would suspect those who have no support mechanism, no family and, and friends 
checking in on them from time to time, I suspect that those people are probably the most vulnerable. I think that's correct in what you're saying. But when you've got a small facility and you've only got 44 patients in the place, I mean, yes, it's easy to manage, it's easy to control um, and keep an eye on everything. And that's why all the staff, daytime, afternoon shifts, night shifts, they're all uh, really great people. Good. Even though... They come from different parts of the world themselves. They have yep. different cultural backgrounds. And, yes, that's a big important thing in them because because they come from back, uh, different backgrounds, yeah. they then have different respects for, like you'll find those cultures mm. have great respect for their elderly. Yeah, that's right. And we should have more respect for them here in Australia. Thank Want you, mate. more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. All right, well, that's it for me today. Marcus Paul in the morning back from 6am tomorrow until midday again. That's New South Wales Daylight Saving Time. Have a great day. Take care by now.